This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Here we go. A Thursday edition of the Sports Bash is live on 97.3 ESPN. The 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Eddings producing today's show. You out there? What's going on, everybody? On this Thursday, we've got uh, the Phillies in action today. It's uh, kind of hard to ramp yourself back up for this day baseball game when the energy of the ballpark last night was so great. As the Phillies come from behind, you know the story. Um, down 3-1 in the eighth. They get six hits in the inning and chase Sandy Alcantara. Now, last night was interesting because apparently people were calling out the way that Tom McCarthy was say- saying Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, we had the same conversation you pointed us out on Twitter that McCarthy was having on the air. Right, we somebody tweeted to McCarthy that he was saying his name wrong, and then McCarthy actually tweeted to the guy the baseball reference pronunciation of his name. Correct. And now we're back to the whole thing again of what the hell is this guy's name, and he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. But regardless of what his name is, the Phillies chased him last night in the eighth after he was cruising along in that game. Um and in the eighth, the Phillies get four straight singles. Then they get doubled off. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this could be a big inning. They end up getting a couple of more hits. They score three in the inning. They win the game 4-3. And uh, the Phillies have now won, what, 12 out of 13 or 13 out of 14 or whatever the number is. Uh, they've been hot. And here they are in this afternoon game. Now, they're down one nothing in the third uh, in this early. But it's hard to kind of, you know, you have that game last night. The, the, the... Now, this is interesting because the energy in the building – it was loud. From what I understand, it was loud there last night. But how about the tweet that Jimmy Rollins put out? Did you see this tweet from Jimmy Rollins? I did not. So Jimmy Rollins put out a tweet last night. And, you know, he essentially uh, took a shot at the Philly fans, if you want to ask me. Oh. He tweeted, at Jimmy Rollins 11, this Phillies team has it, exclamation point. It has taken some time, but they are here to win exclamation point still seeing too many empty seats at the bank though where are the sellouts that get the bank rocking and make philadelphia the best sports town in the world so last night i took a look at the attendance of the phillies and we were always kind of you know hey so i guess one of the questions i would have is this does attendance equal how interested you are how interested your fan base is in your team. Last night, Citizens Bank Park holds 23,651. That is the attendance of Citizens Bank Park. Last night, the announced attendance was 23,021. So you had about 20,000 empty seats in that place last night for a team that is playing some of its best baseball in 10 years. So what does the attendance say about the fan base's belief in your current team. Anything, nothing, it's hard to kind of put a a finger on, but here's Jimmy Rollins saying, where are the fans? To which a lot of responses came in, and I wrote about this over at 97.3ESPN.com. 
and some of the answers of why people were not going to games right now. 20,630 was the amount of people uh, that did not show up to the ballpark last night. That's 20,000 empty seats for that game last night. And some of the answers were the price of the tickets, obviously. The cost of taking a family to the game. Parking, food prices are outrageous at Citizens Bank Park. How good the presentation is on television right now. You could sit in your living room, HD, you know, and watch the game and enjoy it. The lack of homegrown talent on the roster making people not really have a connection with this roster right now. Eh, frivolous That's to me. That's weak. The fact that they're beating teams like Washington and Miami, people I saw, you know, that they haven't really beaten, you know, the good teams, which isn't really true because they, they own the season series against the Padres, uh, Cardinals. the Cardinals, uh, Milwaukee. But I get this, the fact that they've the, the, these games that they're playing right now are against some of the weaker teams. Another one was the weather, which is another frivolous answer to me. But I'm not sure what the reason is. Price would likely be the one thing for me that's a viable excuse. If you can't afford to go, you simply can't afford to go. But I think families are going to the ballpark. What I think it is that the difference is between now and 2007 and 2011 is the young generation, they don't typically care as much about discretionary income. I don't think they're going to the games because they're not as into baseball. And not that the kids back then were into baseball more, but that team, that building was the place to be, and it's not there yet. Like, the team is not at a point that is making that place the place to be to get the young people to think that it's cool to go and hang out in Ashburn Alley. I just don't think this team is at that point yet where, hey, let's go down to the ballpark tonight. It's a lot of fun. And I think that's where you'll see that 20,000 people difference start to shrink a little bit is when you get the – they're not baseball fans. They're just people looking for something to do fans. And that the team has now become so fun that I'll go to Citizens Bank Park just to have fun more so than go to watch the game. I think that's what happened in 07 to 11. I think it's that became the place to be. It wasn't I love the Phillies. It's it's just a fun place to go. The team being good adds to the fun, but it turns it into a place that you just want to be to have fun more than, hey, I'm a fan of the Phillies and I want to go watch a baseball game. You know what I mean? I hear you. I think part of it also is when you go back to the two, you mentioned the 2007, the 2011 period, the three years before that felt like they were building the fan interest back up. Because remember, they opened the new ballpark. They signed Jim Tomey. Bobby Abreu is doing his thing. Aaron Rowan running into the fence, right? There was like a three-year buildup of, hey, Jimmy Rollins is here. Now Chase Utley's brought up. Now Ryan Howard. Like It felt like there was a buildup So are you putting some credence to the homegrown talent? Not the homegrown, but the fact that it felt like there was a buildup of fan interest. Yeah, but you're mentioning... The reason of that buildup of well, that fan interest part is of the fact that these players, one by one, started to come up. That was a part of the build. But it was, to me, it was initially the opening of the ballpark and signing Jim Tomey. 
To me, those were like the first two things of building fan interest again in a team that was wallowing in mediocrity from basically like 1999 to 2003. That's another part of it is back in 07, the ballpark was only three, four, five years old, 07, 08, 09, and there were people that had not been to the ballpark yet. So, hey, I got to go see this. Now, right. 20 years later, you are, I've been to the ballpark. Numerous I definitely times. would say, I definitely would say that cost is a huge factor, and I get that for people. I'm not sitting here belittling anybody who's saying, well, you know, you can figure out a way to get to a game. Like, it's expensive to go to a game. I saw somebody tweet that they got, like, two beers or three beers or something. It was, like, $42. I mean, like, at what point did these baseball teams, sports teams, acknowledge that to charge somebody double digits – for a beer is out of control. Like, that is ridiculous. So, How do you, with any good conscience, say, I'm going to charge you $11 for a freaking Miller Lite? Like, that's disgraceful that anybody would mark up that product to price gouge somebody to that extent. Like, come on. Have a little gracious, man. Like, everybody knows that that beer is costing you essentially nothing. And you're trying to charge 11 some places, 12 bucks. For one freaking beer? Like, come on, man. Know your constituents. Know who your audience is. And if you want that audience to be there night in and night out, you got to be a lot more conscious of who you're dealing with here. Right? This isn't like, hey, let's just gouge these people to death because they're going to do it. Look, the Phillies game today, you're coming off that rocking crowd last night. Not rocking. I mean, it was loud in there, but the building had 20,000 seats empty. And today there's hardly anybody at the ballpark. Again, the place is half empty. And here are people saying, I don't go to the games because it costs too much money. And just to park your car, at what point did we get to a spot in this world where putting your car on a blank piece of land that somebody has the the, the gall to say, I'm going to charge you $25 on a low end to put your car on my spot? That I'm doing nothing with. Like, at what point do you say, listen, that's ridiculous. It's five bucks to park. I'm going to make money. Five bucks. Here you go. You can put your car there. But at what point do you look in the mirror and say, man, my building should be more full than this. And it's not. And everybody's saying, why isn't it? And they're not saying because I don't like your product. They're saying because I don't like your prices. And that's a problem. So a couple things I wanted to add to that. Number one. So we had this conversation in the past, Mike, about how two NFL teams have are, are starting to start a trend in the NFL, whereas the Ravens and the Falcons both slashed their concession prices roughly between 15 and 20 percent across the board. And they saw a massive increase in concession sales. And now other NFL teams are starting to look at that, and they're talking about doing the same thing in other NFL cities. That's the NFL. That's the biggest sports entity on planet Earth saying, hey, we need to maybe cut back on some of these prices. There's a lot of, a lot of talk, for example, with you know, cities like Kansas City and others where they're trying to find ways to cut down on the parking rates you mentioned, Mike. Again, NFL is seeing that they are trying to do something. The NFL doesn't have a, a sellout problem in those cities, but even they're recognizing that hey, maybe these prices are getting a little out of control. Maybe we need to do something. And you would only hope that baseball in their 
stubbornness would maybe look around and say, maybe we need to do something about this. Because if the NFL is recognizing it and they don't have a sellout problem, right? You know, it's not like you go to, it's not like you turn on a Ravens game on television and be like, man, that stadium's half empty. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, football, there, you know, there is the one week, uh, there's only eight games. Right. Right? So eight games as opposed to 81 games that you are asking people to come. Now, I see somebody tweeting here. It says, so many people in the replies complaining about the cost. You can find hundreds of tickets for under $25. No other sport in this city is that possible. You put 25 bucks together and say, hey, I'd like to go to four or five games. Now, all of a sudden, you're at 150 bucks just in ticket sales that what that guy is failing to mention is okay i got a 25 dollar ticket great right. i pay 25 bucks which is manageable i think for a, a lot of people yes but i also now pay 25 dollars to park my car right which is preposterous that's the biggest gouge in the history of the world parking parking should be no more than five bucks and that's just being hey i understand it's a business five bucks here you go Anybody charging more than five bucks to park is is piggish. It's egregious. Should never charge more than five bucks. I'm putting my car on a blank spot. That's all I'm doing. Right. You're not doing anything with that spot. You're lucky I'm giving you five bucks. You're lucky that I'm agreeing to this. It should be first come, first serve. Fair game. I get it. People own that land. Here you go. You don't charge $25 to a family to park. That's piggish. That's just gross. And sometimes it's even more than that in certain areas. I'm just giving the low end. Right. Right. Now, what that guy is failing to mention is fine. I got my ticket for twenty five bucks. I now parked my car for twenty five bucks. I got hungry. <laughs> you know, I got hungry. God forbid. I'm not even buying a beer. I'm buying a soda. Okay, I'm going to buy a soda. The soda's costing me eight to nine dollars. It's right. ridiculous. The water's costing you like three, four. Right. Bucks. I just want a dollar, a, a, a drink, uh, a water. You know, you're getting to the point where the water is five to six, seven dollars. Right. It's, come on. It's it's. So I don't have any complaint to the people who are saying. I simply cannot afford to go. And let's say you say, I can't afford to go. How many times do you want to say, I've pulled out two, three, four hundred dollars to go to the ballpark? Like, you can't keep doing it every single night of the week. And then at that point is when the stadium looks half empty. When I say, yeah, I'll go to a game, but I'm not going to go five nights a week. I'm not going to go six, seven, eight, nine times a year at that price. That's where... People can afford it. They're just choosing not to pay that money because it then becomes ridiculous. I can afford it to go one or two times, but if you want me to go multiple times to build the crowd up that you need to show like there's interest in the ball club, you can't charge those prices all the time. No, you can't. And the other flip side is, and this is a conversation you know, I had a little bit while you were out, Mike, also over the weekend with Billy Schwein this past weekend, which was... Look, this is supposed to be a big weekend, right? You know, the 1980 Phillies team on Sunday. They had giveaways basically Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And you know what I saw this past weekend, Mike? And I've seen it multiple times. You look at the Phillies game, and the building's half empty. But you drive around the Jersey Shore, jam-packed with Pennsylvania plates and Jersey plates everywhere. So the question I've asked, Mike, is and I'll ask to you in the audience right now, which is, are there some people who are saying... Instead of paying for a premier ticket, right, like a, you know, a third baseline, a first baseline ticket for me and my family or me and my friends, it almost costs the same amount to come to the Jersey Shore for the weekend. Well, and somebody just texts it in, like uh, the fans are at the shore. You see the craziness down here. Look, I get it. Every year we're like, oh, my God, there's more and more people. It's always packed down the shore. 
You know, it's in twenty in oh seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven. You trying to tell me that nobody came down the shore those years? But I'm saying the money situation is different today. It is, but I'm saying, like, if those people are making the choice to come down the shore, they generally made that choice to come down the shore anyway. The question is, where are the the other group of people? I don't think people are saying. I'm going down the shore as opposed to going to the Phillies game. I think these people are generally going down the shore anyway or always have been. Maybe some of them. I just think that I know what the prices were 12, 15 years ago for the Phillies games compared to now. It's a huge price difference. Of course, everything has gone up. There's nobody saying, hey, I can't believe the prices aren't like they were 10 years ago. We all agree that there is some level of inflation everywhere in the world. Right, and I th- and there's a lot of information out there that says that people have less disposable income than in the past years right now. And I combine that with the fact that I've run into people down the shore, business owners of restaurants, people who work in real estate who are like, we are... Like, we are overwhelmed this year. Mm-hmm. Like, they are they are at the brim many weekends, and you're looking around like, like they, even they're surprised at the flood of people that are coming in. These are people who've owned businesses for, you know, decades at the shore. Jeff in Ocean City is listening on the free mobile app. He mentioned, messaged in, Eagles parking is $40 disgraceful. Yeah, $40 is absolutely outrageous. It's, you know, I think the league should actually come in and be like, listen, this is the most amount of money you're allowed to pay charge yeah. for parking. Like, you know what they do in Atlanta, which is you buy, I think it's if you buy a soda, a Coke or something, you buy that Coke and they have machines to refill the soda throughout the stadium. You That's can correct. walk around and refill the soda the whole game. So you're only paying. Now, if you told me I'm paying $8 for the drink with the cup one time and I can fill it up at my leisure the rest of the way. Okay, I can stomach that, but I got to get a soda and then I got to refill it. Let's say I want to get another one th- six innings later. You're telling me I'm out into the, a soda for $16 for two Cokes? I mean, that's preposterous. The other thing is the same Atlanta organization is the one that cut down the price of their food across the board. They cut down the price of food around like 18, 20%, according to the one Forbes article. So if you're thinking about if you can refill your drink as often as you want, right, as you mentioned, and your the food costs less than it used to, because, you know, they have things like, you know, Zaxby's in there. Like they have like a full-blown restaurants in that massive new stadium they have down there. You know, you're talking about everything costing less. Well, people are going to spend more money. Well, I think it's one of those things. Do you want to price gouge and get the most out of people that you think you can? Or do you want to make it more reasonable to bring those people back more often? And that is the battle of the business here is if I'm charging $12 a beer and people are paying $12 a beer, is that okay to me? If I'm getting 20,000 people to pay twenty bucks, uh, 12 bucks a beer, or can I get 40,000 people to come to my building if I'm only charging five to six bucks a beer? What's better for my business? And I guess they have those numbers and calculate it all out. To me, it's friendlier and it looks better. And, and as you said, it's more about who your, who your audience is. 
You have to understand that your audience are not a bunch of rich people. Look, I want repeat customers. I want my ballpark to have as many people in it as much as I can with as many people as I can. If I'm keeping cutting it off to 20,000 people because I've priced out 20,000 others, but I'm making the same money, I might as well charge less and get more people in there. And some business owners might say, no, 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 I don't want to. I don't. No, you. This is sports. You want the aesthetics of your building being full. That's Correct. what these teams want. Listen, if you charge a buck or two extra on the ticket, so the ticket's not twenty five bucks; it's now twenty eight bucks. But you took three dollars off the beer, right? I mean, it said, "Hey, listen, we're not going to charge as much for the beer and the." This is like, um, you know, when you basically um, get to that ballpark and like, oh, I got a ten dollars seat, and then you get to the ballpark and you realize. I got a ten dollars seat. I'm sitting in the four hundred level, and I'm one hundred and fifty dollars into uh, two beers. Uh, my kid wants a, a t-shirt. You know what I mean? The t-shirt's forty bucks. I mean, I can understand. So Jimmy Rollins throws that out there, and the amount of responses. I mean, he's and and listen. I mean, I get it. He played at a time when the building was full. They had that sellout streak going. But I want to read off some of these uh, responses that he's getting. Really quick, I just wanted to bring this up because you mentioned about you know cutting down the cost of one side because you're going to make money on the other side. So I'm not going to name on the air because, you know, they're not advertisers on our station, but I know of two establishments here at the Jersey Shore on the islands. They both used to charge a cover charge to go into their establishments all week long. This year they stopped doing it, except for like you know, a certain time on like Saturday night is the only time they do the cover charge. They cut out the cover charge the rest of the week, these two establishments. And I've been told that both those establishments are like, we've seen more people coming in here now because we got rid of the cover charge. So what they said is, look, instead of charging five, ten, whatever it is for the cover charge, we're making back that money and more because more people are walking into our establishment. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm sure there is a, a bunch of research that is done on, hey, do we charge 12 bucks for a beer? And make more money on each individual beer? Or do we cut that down and try to sell more beers? I think that in sports, aesthetics means something. Yes. And you want the building, you're a good team. You want the building to look like it's full. You want the building to look like everyone is there to see you. Yeah, you want it to look like everybody in town cares about this team. Because that because entice- you're not there... You're missing out. Right. You. That's how you entice more people to come. Exactly. And that's what happened in 07 to, uh, to 11 when they had the sellout streak and it became the place to be. And I said, it wasn't because those people were baseball fans. It was because if they weren't at Citizens Bank Park, they felt like they were missing out. Right. That's where the party was. That's where the fun was. That's. It's like the Sixers right now. The Sixers game, it's seen and be seen. I want to go to the Sixers game because I want to see who's there. I want to see the glitz, the glamour. I want to be seen. A lot of those people are there not because they want to see the Sixers play. It's because it's become the place to be. And part of this is, too, the Phillies, you know, and, and yesterday I, I was a guest on the Crossing Broad Uh, show crossing broadcast you can check it out on their youtube channel but it was one of the questions that the host asked me was is the atmosphere at citizens bank park conducive to fun you know and i take a look at the game and you look around like i think families are going but are 20 something single guys and girls going to those games not because they love the phillies just because they're looking for something to do Eh, i don't know that they are 
And no, I think that's where you're missing that 20,000 seats that aren't full right now. It's not all that fun. It's not the place to be. It's not, hey, this sounds like a great time. Why? Because when I look at the game, I see empty seats all over the place. Yep. You got to fill those seats up. How do you do it? Well, you got to listen to what your fans are saying. It's too expensive. 609-403-0973. Why do you guys think the stadium is empty? Is it because it's too expensive? Is it because you don't believe in the team? We asked you at Twitter, at 973ESPN. Are you all in on the Phillies yet? Not yet? Hell yeah. Let us know. Go to 973ESPN on Twitter. Vote. Let us know. Plus, you can enter to win that Eagles road trip. I'll announce another name on the other side. I'll give you some time to go to our website right now, 973ESPN.com. If I call your name out next, you're entered to win an Eagles road trip to see the Eagles play the Washington Commanders at FedEx Field on September 25th. I'll give you all the details on the other side. To enter to win, you must go to our website right now and enter at 973ESPN.com. Now on 97.3 ESPN. All right, 2.30 Sports Bash. I'm looking for... Daniel Beck. Daniel Beck, if you're out there, give us a buzz. 609-573-3776. Daniel Beck, you are qualified for that Eagles road trip. Thanks to our friends at Philly Sports Trips. Daniel Beck, you are going to be live on our Happy Hour Friday show. Over at Garden State Brewery, where their motto is a beer for everyone. 16 taps feature their Blue Jersey American Wheat Beer and their new Sand Shark Lager. There's enough variety that almost everyone can find a style they'll like. They're open daily. You can go out there and enjoy their favorite beers at Garden State Brewery. They're all about supporting local, and they use fresh local ingredients from other small businesses in the area. Because their tasting room is so large, they have now evolved into a huge fundraising mecca for the community. Contact them today for your next fundraising event at 609-232-BEER for your next party. Daniel Beck, congratulations to you. You have a shot to win that Eagles road trip uh, with Philly Sports Trips. Travel with the pros at Philly Sports Trips. If you're a diehard Philly fan looking for some great Philly Sports road trips, it's time to check out the full trip lineup now at phillysportstrips.com. We'll be live on August 26th. It's a Friday, and food will be provided that day from Ernest & Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop and Meat Market in Brigantine. It's going to be a fun day. Uh, One lucky winner is going to win those tickets and that trip to go to Washington to see the Eagles take on the Commanders on September the 25th. 609-403-0973. So Jimmy Rollins put out that tweet last night. He basically... I mean, I don't know. Would you say he called out the Philly fans? I mean, would you say that he took a shot at them? I think he called them out. I don't know if it's really a shot. Because he also said in the tweet, as you mentioned, Mike, that if you go to 973ESPN.com, you see where he said, look, Philly is the best fans in the world. I think his thing is, hey, Philly fans, I know you're great. I want to see you at the ballpark. He says, I'm still seeing too many empty seats at the bank, though. So that's his way of saying, eh, where you at, Phillies fans? And then the right. answers are just started pouring in. Um, 
to, you know, uh, this one is uh, says, nothing like being at the game, but sports on TV has gotten so good that a family of four to five can watch it in the comfort of their air-conditioned house on a comfy couch and save 250 to 400 between tickets, parking, food, gas, and tolls, plus the aggravation of traffic and the blistering heat. I mean, he had basically everything wrapped into one. The heat, the traffic, the food, the prices, the parking, the tickets, everything. Uh, and he said, look, I can watch it at home in the air conditioning. I mean, I always say, look, yes, watching the game on, on your TV at home, having that option is great. But there's nothing that beats being in the atmosphere, the energy of a ballpark. No, there's nothing that beats it. But I understand where people are coming from. Look, there's there's a lot of people who are having to make financial decisions these days that, you know, maybe they weren't making in the past. And you know what? If if somebody feels like they they are in a better situation financially to not spend the money to go to the game between gas and parking and tickets and concessions, well... Well, what I'm, if I say this, though? Yeah. All right. Because I see this tweet says, maybe a good start would be for John Middleton to reduce the costs to help average income families. By the time you pay for tickets, parking, and maybe get some food, you're probably looking at 150 to 200 for a night out for a family of four. That is way too high. Okay. Now, what if the retort would be, all right, well, then I can't sign Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, JT Realmuto, Zach Wheeler. I can't pay them all. If, I, if you want me to charge less, I will. But then my product on the field might suffer. Well, that retort's incorrect then because we know that a lot of the money that these teams use to pay the players is actually not from attendance and concession. It's actually from the TV money. Most teams in professional sports now, they use the TV money between the national TV deals and the regional TV deals as the baseline for their financial structure. And they typically treat things like concessions and everything else because you know what we saw? It was more important to them to get the games on in 2020 so they could get the TV money and, and you know, be in the positive financially than it was for them to have attendance. So we already know that they have shown us that they can make money without people in the building. They can pay people without people attending the game. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm just throwing that out there. If That could be their retort is, hey, listen, we're charging more money because we put more money into our team. We put more money into the salaries of the players that you guys wanted us to. You want me to spend money on Bryce Harper, $300 million a year? Okay, then I'm going to have to charge more for my beer. If I'm going to spend $300 million on Bryce Harper, if I'm going to bring in Zach Wheeler, bring back JT, you guys wanted me to do that. You all celebrated when I brought in Schwarber and Castellanos. Fine. Well, the TV money's one thing, but i got to make some money elsewhere. Listen, there's ways to make money that doesn't involve, as you phrased it earlier, Mike, charging the maximum value you can get away with. Because, listen, you know... Well, you hope that they can tiptoe and find a balance. That's the problem. Yeah. I don't think they're looking for a balance. I think they're being egregious. I think they're being lazy. I think that there's a mentality when it comes to professional sports where there's a presumption of the people will always be there, the people will always come... And I think that presumptuous attitude is is wearing on people. Like this one here, you know, with all due respect, Jimmy, it's nasty weather. It's the dead of the summer. Come September, the place will be packed. That's fine and dandy to say. I disagree say, with that point so but much. you go back to when the team was really good, 
It didn't matter how hot it was. Correct. In August afternoon, I sat there for a Phillies-Rockies game on a Saturday afternoon, a 4 o'clock game on Fox one time. It had to be 102 degrees and sell out. So if the team is good and the support is there, it doesn't matter what the heat is and all that other stuff. I mean, I, I will – like, I the price thing I definitely get. I definitely understand – the price thing. That is the one that I can't argue with. So if you're telling me you don't go to a game because it's just simply too expensive. Now, because I look at the attendance numbers, okay? The attendance numbers for this season, um, the Phillies are 15th in baseball in uh, attendance right now. Which is pretty much in the middle of the pack. And the teams ahead of them... The Dodgers, they're the best team in baseball. St. Louis, that's a baseball town. The Yankees, that's a baseball town. Atlanta, okay, Atlanta's a good team. They won the World Series last year. Uh, San Diego, it's all they have down there. Right. Houston, good team. Colorado, not such a good team. And they're outdrawing you. The Mets, it's a good team in a good baseball town. The Cubs, that's a bad team, but it's the Cubs. It's, it's Ridley. Good baseball town. You get a lot of, they also get a lot of tourists who go to that park. That's true. Boston, last place team, Boston, by the way, but same situation. Boston's a great baseball town, plus they get a lot of tourists to go there. Toronto's outdrawing you. San Francisco is outdrawing. The Angels are outdrawing you. That's a little surprising because the Angels uh, are last place. They're one of the worst teams in baseball. Also, the location of, to go back to Atlanta, Atlanta and the Braves and the Angels both, I always call them the Anaheim Angels. They're the Los Angeles Angels, but whatever. Um, both those stadiums are not exactly, like, you know, easy to get to. You know, you're talking about two stadiums that are kind of out of the way. Well, they, put, people, the, they put the Braves stadium out in the suburbs. Right, but people like let's say you don't live on that end of town. Let's say you live on the opposite end of Atlanta. You got to travel all the way up there. The Angels, you basically got to travel all the way out to Orange County to go to an Angels game. You know, so if people if people are saying, "Look, I'll travel to go to a baseball game if it's worth my time." Uh, Milwaukee is the other team that is outdrawing you, and uh, then Philadelphia is next. They are ahead of Seattle, Texas, the White Sox. The Nationals, Minnesota, Detroit, Arizona, Cincinnati, Baltimore, um, which is a little surprising because that team has been pretty good, although they're starting to fill the ballpark up in Baltimore now. Cleveland, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, Miami, and Oakland. You know, Oakland's averaging 9,000 a game. That's hideous. 9,000 is the average attendance, and who knows if that's how many people are actually showing up to a game. <laughs> For them to report that 9,000 is what you have in the ballpark, holy mackerel. But, hey, I mean, Rollins tweets that out, and the backlash is... I don't want to say backlash. I think people are just giving their opinion as to why. Like this one, J-Roll, love you. You and your team was different, though. It was kids all coming up together that we all got to watch grow. So when it was on, it was on. This day and age, very few homegrown players. It's more of a wait-and-see mindset. But tonight, sold some tickets, I'm sure. Well, it doesn't look like it. I'd like to see how many. Uh, I'm interested to see what the attendance is today. Now, it's a day game, but school's out and, you know. I mean, a couple of things I would say also is, one, 
you know, what you're saying is, is that even though that Aaron Nola, Bryson Stott, Reese Hoskins, these are homegrown guys, Alec Bohm, homegrown guy. What you're saying is that they're not good enough homegrown guys. Maybe people don't, I I don't know. Like, I feel like the homegrown thing is overrated because they do have guys who are from their system on the field right now. They do. I get like, hey, we don't know some of these guys. We're not sure of who they are yet. But, all right, at what point do you make the plunge to say, okay, this team has convinced me I like these guys. I think their personality is starting to come out. That and right. We're going to talk to Bob Wankel about this tonight at 5 o'clock. What is the personality of this team? Well, it is that they don't give up. They don't quit. They're a team that you would think Philadelphia fans will enjoy, a team that has that intangible. They're tough. They they don't give up. They don't quit. The last night they're on the ropes against one of the best pitchers in baseball and in the 8th inning, you know, they hung around, they hung around, they hung around and then they come back and win that game. They're on a 40 and 19 run right now. 40 and 19. Wild. It's pretty unbelievable when you think about it. Like they are 21 games over 500 in the last 60 games pretty amazing to think of like where this team was and how pretty much disenchanted you were with this team two months ago. Eh, same Phillies, same problems. They don't get anybody out. The bullpen stinks. You know, and all of a sudden we're having this conversation, which I think is a good one because I think it is people saying, hey, look, I like to go to the games. I want to be more supportive. I simply can't. I wish the Phillies would be able to listen and say, okay, our fan base wants to be here they're just telling us it's too expensive for us. Because it's different. Like, there's only eight Eagles games. Sometimes nine now with 17 games. There's 41 Sixers and Flyers games. So, And you're only fitting 20,000 people into those games. You're trying to get 40,000 people into the building 81 times. Which means you can't charge what the Sixers are charging, right? If the Sixers are charging $9 for a beer, you've got to say, all right, they're getting $9 a beer 41 times a year. You can't say, I'm going to charge $11 a beer 81 times a year. Like, that math just doesn't add up. The other side of the coin is look at the team that's in the same building as the Sixers. The Flyers had the worst attendance this year than they've had since the 1980s. You're talking about a team that used to be like Flyer fans showed up no matter what, right? And I think the Phillies can look across the street and look at the Flyers and be like, we don't want to be them. We got to figure out how we can not be them because our team is better than their product they're putting on. Yeah, and I, I wonder if the Flyers thing, I think cost has something to do with it, but also... The post-Ed Snyder-run Flyers have lost their personality. They have sure. no personality. But you could say that the Phillies have personality, but people still don't know about it. So. Yeah, but you know what? The problem is this team has been in the race the last four or five years. We talked about this, uh, I guess it was maybe yesterday or Tuesday, where... I think McGarry brought this up yesterday. On this date last year, they, they were either the top wild card team or a game out of the wild card. And in the last couple of years, the Gabe Kapler seasons, they were right there. They were right in the wild card race. 
And people just never believe that, ah, this team is good enough. And then they went out and got Bryce Harper, and they still didn't believe that they're good enough. Are people not believing that this team is good enough? I think you have to ask that question, too. As much as you're having some fun right now, do you still have that question in the back of your mind that, hey, those last four or five years, I guess it was two years with Kapler, two years, or was Girardi here for three or two? That COVID year was kind of weird. I want to say it was, we started three seasons. So this is like the fifth year since Kapler, because Kapler was here too. They were in the race for both the Kapler years, but nobody believed in those two teams. And then they brought Girardi in, and you felt, oh, wow, they got Joe Girardi. That's going to change the perception of this team. And that didn't work. So Girardi started three seasons as the manager. 2020, 2021, 2022. So it's been a five-year run where this team has been in the wild card race. And I think some people just feel that the last four years, they were in that wild card race, but they never made the playoffs. And I think they're just very tepid in putting the toe in the water right now. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Hey, our qualifier, uh, Dan Beck, if you're out there, if you know Daniel Beck, tell him to call us at 609-573-3776. We'll get him all signed up for a chance to win that Eagles road trip. We might call another name this hour. If not, we will definitely call one in the 4 o'clock hour. But I can't call your name if you're not entered. Go to 97.3ESPN.com right now. Now, back to more skill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey sports leader. 251 Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. Hey, we're giving away that Eagles road trip. You can sign up to win. Go to 97.3ESPN.com. All the directions are on the website, but Josh was telling me that he was talking to some of the qualifiers, and somehow they were like, wait, what do I have to do? Huh? What?" If you went to the website, everything was mapped out very clearly, but I will tell you how to qualify and everything again. Are you amazed at the people when you talk to them? Yes and no. (laughs) You've been doing this long enough that you realize that anything you say, nobody's paying attention. Is that what it is? They They only listen apparently when I'm wrong. That's the only time. <laughs> they don't I, hear anything else other than when I say something that ends up being incorrect. I Listen, I love all the people when I call them and they'll be like, I love the show. I love Mike. I love you. I love the station. I love listening. See, now and I then, feel like these are all lies. And then they turn around and they'll be like, wait, what date is it? <laughs> right. So here's the deal. We're giving away a trip to go see the Eagles in Washington against the Commanders. They play. Could it be the fact that the Commanders is such a ridiculous name that people don't know that I'm talking about an NFL game? Just call them Washington. The Washington Commanders. The game is in Washington. Philly Sports Trips is running a bus trip to the game. They have given us seats on the bus. I am sending one lucky listener and a friend. All you have to do to enter is go to our website, 973ESPN.com. Now, many of you entered already. The funny part is you entered, and to enter, you had to go to the webpage and read all the details. And somehow you entered, and Josh is telling me you have no idea what you're supposed to do. Now, I'm literally reading verbatim off of the webpage. So you had to have seen this if you entered. And it says as follows. The Sports Bash is giving one lucky listener and a friend a chance to see the Philadelphia Eagles play the Washington Commanders at FedEx Field on September 25th. 
to enter, fill out the form below and listen for your name during the Sports Bash each day. We might call out more than one name each hour, so stay tuned. If Mike Gill calls your name, you're entered to win the trip. Thanks to our friends at Philly Sports Trips and Garden State Brewery in Absecon. You must be present to win at Garden State Brewery, 247 Whitehorse Pike, on Friday, August 26th, where one lucky listener will win the bus trip to the Washington to see Carson Wentz and the Commanders host the Eagles. Is there anything I left out that you would not, not know what you were supposed to do? Not to me, but then again, you know, we've already established that, you know, my opinion doesn't match those who listen to the station. <laughs> so Daniel Beck is our first qualifier for today's show in the 2 o'clock hour. In the 3 o'clock hour, I will announce another qualifying name. What I just read, that person will now have to do. I hope that that cleared some things up. Like Josh said to me, you know, I talk to these people and they really don't have any idea what the hell I'm talking about. And I'm thinking, did they read the website? It's literally right on the website. And for them to enter, they had to have read the website. There's a lot of people that have entered this too. Yeah. It's a trip to go see the Eagles play on the road. Hey, like I said, just because it makes sense to me doesn't mean that uh, it lines up with everybody else, you know? I'm not always the best barometer, Mike. That's true. That is true. I'll take your word on that. (laughs) I'll have another name next hour. Go enter now at 973ESPN.com. We're going to uh, be live at Garden State Brewery. Happy hour Friday. August 26th, that's the day of the show. When we're at the show, we're going to do the show live. And then we're going to announce the winner. And that person is going to Washington to help cheer on the Eagles. And boo that man! Boo that man! Carson Wentz. All right, when we come back, John McMullen with his latest Eagles camp notes. He joins me on the other side right here on the Sports Bash. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. We're uh, a day away from the Eagles, although the NFL is back tonight. We've got uh, some preseason games kicking off tonight. Tomorrow we'll have the Eagles and the Jets right here on 97.3 ESPN. We've got uh, week one of the preseason. What does that even mean anymore? John McMullen, we talked yesterday about the starters playing in this game for about a series or two. What are we actually looking for in preseason games now? I think that's something. Plus some NFL news uh, around the league we want to get into uh, as well with Johnny Mack, who's back here from uh, Sports Illustrated SI.com and Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. He's with me now on the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN as we take a look at uh, the NFL and the Eagles. Obviously, John, get ready tomorrow. And uh, we said yesterday, one to two series. What are, they, what are they actually trying to get out of those one to two series? Is, I mean, is it just more of a formality? What, what are they trying to accomplish with that? Yeah, it's a good. <laughs> It's a good question, Mike. Didn't uh, Aaron Rodgers? Didn't Aaron Rodgers say, "Like, if I'm not going to play the whole game, like, don't bother wasting my time." Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of. Uh, I I don't know what you can gain from one or two series, other than I don't know, getting a feel for an actual live rep. 
which don't exist pretty much in practice anymore. I mean, back when Doug Doug was here, he'd have maybe one or two live periods every preseason. Now the Eagles don't have any um, at all. They never had any when Chip was here. Uh, so it's been a while. Um, and, I, I, you know, live reps are different than um, even in, in, in a practice when you're going thump and you're going really hard and high intensity. Like the Eagles have green, red, and yellow practices. Uh, they had a green, high-intensity practice uh, yesterday, um, and they go pretty hard, but it's not the same as when you're tackling people to the ground. So in a lot of ways, I think it's inertia, and it's the way the NFL has been doing it for years, and people say, well, we we better get them a series or two, but I'm with you. I mean, what <laughs> what is a series or two going to do for you? I, I don't think very much, but especially uh, what over a month before the first game starts, it's not like that's going to be something that inertially is that a word is 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 drilled into your head like oh I just had uh, six plays a month ago I'm ready to go yeah I, I, it's kind of silly if you think about it and, and you know the NFL's evolved and they talk about uh, a lot of times they talk about and actually Chip I'm talking about Chip too much today but. Uh, he, he, the one thing he said that always stuck with me is, is uh, you know, don't tell me to do something because that's the way it's always been done. In other words, he was telling people to think for yourself, think outside the box if you can come up with something better. And in a lot of ways, the NFL constantly says that. That's why practice has evolved and um, there's more so- sports signs. But then they rely on this old trope like oh you got to get a series in you got to get a series in for the lane johnsons and the and the pletcher coxes of the world and you know it's it's meaningless for them let's be honest right and uh you know this is something that has kind of evolved is uh, it used to be you play these four preseason games and you were battling for not only uh, a roster spot but for playing time like hey i need to win i need to play better in these four games to be the starting right guard you know and that's out the window uh these teams john and you can probably dive deeper into this have valued these uh, controlled practice settings that the Eagles are going to start next week a lot more than these three preseason games. Yeah, they do. Uh, and I actually uh, agree with that part of it because, you know, I remember talking to Doug Peterson about that and he was talking about uh, joint practices and how they're better in a lot of ways than the preseason games because you can script things you want to work on. You can go to the other coach and say, if you're struggling with red zone work, well, we can put in a red zone period and, and try to work on it and try to sharpen it up. Whereas if you're playing a game, you, you have to hope it just comes in, in, into the game, the natural sort of evolution of the game and hope you're in the red zone to be able to work on that kind of atmosphere. So the scripted part of it uh, really helps the coaches evaluate when they want what what they want to evaluate and it really helps them work on what they want to work on. So that part, yeah, it's become much more important. And Nick Sirianni's taken it to another level to the point where last year he valued those joint practices more than the actual preseason games. And we'll see the timing's a little bit different this time because they're a little bit later um, this year. And, you know, maybe you don't want to uh, go as hard, um, with the veteran players, 
that close to, especially that second week in Miami, uh, that close to the regular season open opener. But we'll see how it shakes out. He definitely values, um, when it comes to the first team at least, he definitely values those joint practices more than the preseason games. Hey, uh, they're signing running backs. Uh, there's a bunch of them. Uh, uh, DeAndre Torrey today. They signed somebody yesterday. Uh, Jerry Howard worked out, and I uh, joked with you on Twitter that I think there's another Howard that's probably somewhere uh, their phone number uh, will come in handy at some point. But what's the uh, uh, the tea leaves on all the running backs that they're bringing in? And and none of them seem to be the type of back that we're all saying they lack. Yeah, DeAndre's really small. Five, I think he's 5'7", five, 190, one so he's another sort of scat back. Um and and he was the guy. He it just came out that they were going to sign him, and they made it official today. So they only had five running backs um, on the ninety man roster, which always looked a, a little bit light. And all of a sudden, you know, Boston Scott gets a concussion. Um, Kenny Gainwell hurts his hip. He hasn't been in practice the last couple of days. So it's on. I, I can't imagine he's going to play. So all of a sudden, you have Miles Sanders uh, and 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 Jason Huntley and Kennedy Brooks. So you know Miles isn't going to play much. You know he he's in that series or two category, and then you got to go with Jason Huntley and Kennedy Brooks the entire game. Even you know they got DeAndre Torian so late, they just signed him this morning officially. He hasn't practiced. He's not going to be able to play. Um, most likely they could always throw him out there and just hand him the football in the fourth quarter, but I doubt it. Um, so the numbers game was always a, a little bit weird at, at the running back position. Um, and, and once they got banged up a little bit, they just need bodies. They just need bodies to get through um, the preseason. But when it comes to the Eagles running game, I, I, I mean – Look, I think people don't understand what Jalen Hurts means to that running game. And I, I was joking. You know, you got a Yale shirt on. I can see you, Mike. You can't see me <laughs> because I, I didn't, I never have time to set up my green screen when I'm at home. But, um, if, <laughs> you know, you could probably go for four yards per carry behind that offensive line and, and, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, what he brings to the run game because everybody's so concerned, the so-called plus one to the run game. So look at the numbers. Miles was 5.5. Look at, look at, look at Jordan Howard's numbers, Boston Scott numbers, Kenny Gainwell's number. Anybody, I, I hate to say it like that, but you could put DeAndre Torrey back there and he's going to run for four yards carry at least. Well, so, it's, and it's the I'm, premise I'm, of why running backs are not making the money or getting drafted where they used to be in 1985 or even 1995 anymore is because uh, most guys are, first off, a lot of these guys are so talented that the difference in the talent between the best running back and the, the guy who's not even on a roster is very thin. Yeah, I, well, it, you know, it depends. There are certain guys, obviously. Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, you know, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb. Those guys are different. Those guys are different. The top-tier running backs, I, it, look, I'd love to have one of those guys. Um, but, you know, they don't grow on trees. 
uh, once you start getting down to that second tier, I kind of agree with you. And you saw it. You saw. I mean, Jordan Howard can't get a job, right? And he, he leaves Philadelphia. Um, he's terrible in Miami. He comes back. He looks great behind this offensive line. And you say, well, Jordan Howard had a good season. Why won't anybody sign him? Well, they know. Uh, we don't have the Eagles offensive line. He's not going to do anything behind our offensive line. So Jordan Howard is kind of the proof positive of that. Look, he's not. I get why Eagles fans like why the Eagles, why the Eagles don't, you know, bring him back and give him multiple years and count on him. They want to get younger. They want to get a guy healthier. They want to get a guy with more speed. Uh, they want to do better, and they're hoping Kenny Gainwell takes a step forward this year. <clears throat> I don't know if he will, um, but I do know that the numbers are going to look effective because of Jalen Hurts and because of that offensive line. Um, a lot of story about uh, Rieger, and he said, hey, I want to be here. It's a bi- I know it's a business, but you know, I, I, I want to be here. How much of this preseason matters to him? Uh, I think it matters because I I think, you know, even though what he said yesterday and he said all the right things, I I do think he, in fact, I know he wants uh, a trade (laughs) and and he would like to go somewhere else. And I don't blame him. I, I think a change of scenery would be best for both sides of this equation, for the Eagles who aren't counting on him uh, and for Jalen himself. So, the better he plays in the preseason, you might be able to convince another team that maybe was interested in him during the draft process a couple years ago. Remember, I, I think there's this revisionist history, Mike, that the Eagles made this huge mistake, and if they didn't take Jalen Rager, nobody was taking Jalen Rager. He was going to be a first-round pick. He was going to the Saints were going to take him. I forget what they had at 23, 24. You know, they've admitted Sean Payton's and admitted he was going to take and that's a pretty good offensive mind Sean Payton it wasn't like the Eagles were the only team saying oh Jalen Rager's got a chance to be a a really good player so he's still got talent you see him at times really make plays in practice especially against second third team corners who he's just more talented than um but he you know for whatever reason to say what do you I think what he, do you think the reason is that he just you know hasn't been what teams thought he would be? I mean, obviously, um, you know, people as you said they liked him. They thought he had this. See, the one thing that's odd to me when I watch him is his speed was supposed to be what separated him. He doesn't yeah. seem to have that next level speed. Um, I think we saw him maybe catch that one ball in the opener last year against the Falcons. He got, and they, and I don't know if they haven't used him the right way to allow his speed to, you know, we talk about accentuate the positive. I think I said that on your show the other day, you know, you're, you're Paul Heyman there. Accentuate the positive. Have they not accentuated his positives? Does his speed not play? Why has he not translated now into year number three? I, I think, um, no, look, he hasn't performed. I can't blame it. No, we, we've seen him with two coaching staffs, remember, with Doug and, and, and Nick, and neither was able to take advantage of him. So I think that says a lot. He hasn't performed. I don't think he's played with confidence. I think he lost his confidence, and that's a big thing with pro athletes. When you lose confidence, he just seems 
you know, you could be fast, but if you hesitate, you know, that's it. You know, everybody's fast in the NFL. All the corners are fast. It's just a matter of NFL fast. Uh, a little slight tick uh, makes the difference between a Tyreek Hill and the average NFL corner, and then he's gone, and, and you see these big plays. That's part of it. Part of it is Justin Jefferson, which is not Jalen Rager's fault. I, I mean, the fact that, look, there were a lot of teams. Again, Jefferson got picked 22nd. So, you know, there are a lot of teams that thought the same way that, that the Eagles did. He's just a slot receiver. Um, and he's not. And he turned into this superstar receiver already. And he's had this, he's over 3,000 receiving yards in two years. That 1,500 a year, that's historic. That's one of the best numbers ever um so part of it is that and people say well they should have taken jefferson but i'll tell you this about that mike they they forget the other part of it, the equation in that whatever you think of kirk cousins he's a high volume passer i mean going back to washington look at his numbers four thousand yards four thousand yards for every single year he throws for big numbers if Justin Jefferson was here, don't get me wrong, he'd be better player than than Jalen Rager because he's he's a really good player, but he wouldn't be putting up those numbers here. And I think people think, oh, you just you just put that into this offense. It doesn't work like that. So part of it is Jefferson, uh, part of, but the biggest part is he hasn't performed up to his talent level. That's the biggest part. Yeah, um, we know that. Uh, is there? I, I think I laughed. Uh, we joked yesterday with, uh, you know, um, is there a player who's kind of the Paul Turner uh, that has a shot to make the team? Are there guys that do have a shot to make this team with a good performance in these three games? Are there are there certain guys yeah, that I you're mean, intrigued one by? Is, is one of them is Britton Covey, who, uh, you know, is kind of almost incumbent upon Jalen getting traded because his path uh, to the roster would be mainly as a punt returner. Uh, but he's he's got to prove that, and he was a great punt returner in college at Utah, but he's also got to prove in these preseason games that he can handle the slot work because you're not just going to keep somebody uh, who who's just purely a punt returner. So He's got a chance to, to win a spot, especially if uh, Jalen Rager gets traded, which is still a, a, a possibility. And I think the Eagles would like to if they could get a decent return. Um, you know, it was interesting yesterday. Anthony Harris was out with a dental issue. So no, you know, nothing serious. But you assume, OK, he's out. Uh, Chikwaski Tart is out for personal reasons. Um, you assume Kayvon Wallace was getting the first team reps. Uh-uh. Andre Sachere got some first team reps. And Reed Blankenship right. got some first team reps. Uh, undrafted rookie from, from Middle Tennessee State. Uh, so I think he's got maybe an outside chance and people would never you know, when things started, people weren't talking about Reed Blankenship, but the Eagles need depth at safety, and it's pretty clear they're not happy with Kayvon Wallace. It's pretty clear 
that, you know, Chikwaski Tart has not exactly done a lot since he got here to make the, the defensive coaching staff uh, feel good about it. Uh, so those would be the two two undrafted guys right now. I think they really like um, Josh Sills, and, and, and they really respected him because when Jordan Mailata went down and Andre Dillard went down with the concussions, then LaRaven Clark went down. Uh, with the hamstring injury, they were down to their fourth, really fifth offensive tackle because Brett Toth is on the pup list. So they were down to their fifth offensive tackle, and they told Sills to move out the left tackle, and he did it. And, you know, he held up okay. So, but there's just, you know, the numbers game for him is just way too difficult. And, and then we talked about Kennedy Brooks at running back. He's the closest guy to being a big back, you know, or, or it, it, he, he's about 215 pounds. So he's not that Jordan Howard type big back, but he does run like a big back. He's sort of a downhill runner. And if the Eagles are looking for that presence and don't want to go outside the organization, uh, he would be the closest guy to perhaps being able uh, to give them that. So that's some of the undrafted guys that could potentially uh, play their way onto the roster. Where, they have a uh, bunch of corners, too. Josh Job, I should mention, from Alabama. He was the undrafted. Some people might uh, remember him. Right. But they're so guy. deep at corner. It's a tough numbers game for him as well. Uh, one guy's a veteran, uh, Pascal. I mean, obviously, they knew him from, from Indianapolis, uh Sirianni did. What, where do you see his role? You know, I, I, I've said this a lot, and it upsets Eagles fans. They should hope he has a big role for this reason. If he's on the field a lot, it means that the Eagles are probably winning, and they're probably trying to run out clock at the end of games. Uh, in other words, it's a little counterintuitive to fans, but... Um, if they're up by 10 points in the fourth quarter, Zach Pascoe is going to be on the field a mm-hmm. lot because he's got size. He can block. He's, he's fundamentally sound. He understands how to play. Whereas Quez Watkins is on the field a lot. That means they're probably down 10 points and they're trying to throw the ball. And you might get excited about offensive numbers and yardage and, but wouldn't you rather win the game? So I think the more Zach Pascal plays, the better it is for the Eagles. That's such an in- that's such an interesting question, John. Wouldn't you rather win the game? And yet we hear the, the, the owner is not happy because you won and you ran the ball too much. Like who the hell cares? Uh, what's yeah, what's exactly. the difference, right? And that's that's one of the things I've been saying over the past, really since. Well, I mean, let's be honest. We've had. 10 practices that reporters have been able to see. I've, I've been there for every one of them. I've seen every rep. I, I don't know why people think the light is going to go off and all of a sudden Justin Herbert's going to show up. All right, they, they don't have a quarterback who can throw the football consistently 40 times and go win games. And I'm not even sure Justin Herbert can do that. You don't want to throw it 40 times. Um. What they do have is a quarterback that can really create stress on opposing defenses with the RPO game and his plus one in the running game, what I was talking about. And 
you know, it seems like everybody's talking about they need to do this. They need to do this. I think they need to build around the strengths of their quarterback that they do have and stop pretending he's something he isn't. Uh, and and that's you saw it last year. Yeah. First six games. And then after that, which would you rather have? I, I, you know, they can win a lot of games if they play the way they did down the stretch. And, and that's not to say Jalen Hurts can't make plays in the passing game because he can and he often does. And it should only get better because of AJ Brown's presence. But again, if you're expecting Justin Herbert or you're expecting Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, you're, you're, to me, you're 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 just wasting time. I mean, build around the strengths of the quarterback you have. All right, tomorrow night, right here on ninety-seven three ESPN, uh, Jalen Hurts and company. I guess we'll see him for at least a series or two. Uh, we'll see what they bring out tomorrow against the Jets. You can hear the game at six thirty pregame. Seven thirty is the uh, kickoff with Merrill Reese and Mike Quick right here on 97.3 ESPN. Uh, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, they will be uh, getting you ready for uh, that game tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, and they'll have coverage at uh, SI.com as well. All right, John, appreciate it, bud. All right, thanks, Mike. Uh, there's John McMullen. He'll be uh, with us all Eagles season long right here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. We'll get his perspective uh on this Eagles team all season, as we've done in the past, as uh, many people remember uh, Johnny Mack, part of football at four. He'll be stopping by in the three o'clock hour here on the Sports Bash this season. Speaking of the Eagles, we're going to send somebody on a trip to Washington to see the Eagles play the Commanders. All you have to do is go to our website, 973ESPN.com, and I have another qualifying name coming up on the other side. If you haven't qualified yet, go to 973ESPN.com and enter the form. If I call your name, you're going to see the Eagles in Washington. Thanks to Philly Sports Trips. We'll have our big Eagles party to get you ready for the season. August 26th at Garden State Brewery on the Whitehorse Pike in Apsekin. We'll have that name on the other side. More sports bash on the way. Phils are down 3 nothing in the 8th. This is what happened yesterday. They have another comeback in them. I have the details on that coming up. Now, back to more on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. 3.30 of the sports bash, 97.3 ESPN. I got another qualifying name right now. If you had entered to win that trip to Washington, listen for your name now. It is Paul... McLaughlin, if you are Paul McLaughlin, you're entered for a chance to win that Eagles road trip. You're one step closer. You're in the party, baby. You've got a ticket to the party. You must be at the party, and we'll announce the winning name, and that person's going down to represent the Eagles in Washington against the Commanders. Phillies uh, one on, one out in the eighth, down 3 nothing. Look, I can't be mad if they lose the game today. They won the series against the Marlins, something they've really struggled to do over the years. Now they're starting to take ownership of this Marlins team. Uh, to get two out of three against the Marlins, I got to give them props for that. I mean, 
Uh, I can't sit here and complain that they don't sweep the series. I mean, you're not going to sweep every series. You're not going to win, you know, 19 out of 20 games. I mean, you're going to cough up a game. And they, they face a tough pitcher today, too. Also, don't forget about the fact that yesterday was a good sign that they've now multiple times found a way to beat the Marlins with their best pitcher on the mound, which is a good sign for a team that's trying to make a playoff run. Well, they're going to find out this weekend. They're going to see some pitching when they take on the Mets. Uh, That's going to be something that will definitely... Um, we're going to find out. Like somebody texted in earlier. Well, they're beating up on the Marlins and and the Nationals. How do I get excited about a team that's beaten up on the Marlins and that. And that's a fair comment because in the past, I would say it's a fair comment. But in the past, that's what I should have said, they've lost to those teams. Correct. So beating them, is that a way to say, okay, in the past they've lost to those teams. Now they're starting to win those games. I mean, this is a team that's won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight games. And this game's not over yet today. I mean, they still have a shot to come back in this game. Uh, the Marlins' bullpen is, is not great. Um, so they're into the bullpen now, but this weekend the pitching matchups are, are oozing with uh, with um, drama. You got Suarez and Scherzer on Friday night. That's an Apple Plus game, by the way. You got Eagles up against the Phils on Apple Plus. I would love to know. I don't know if Apple actually releases the I don't streaming think so. numbers, but I don't I would, believe so. I would love to know how many people would actually be watching that game. See, I think the fact that it's on Apple TV Plus and you have the Eagles on, it's like, eh, if it wasn't on Apple, maybe. But since it's on Apple TV Plus and the Eagles are playing, I'll just go Eagles. This is the one area where I think sports on streaming platforms is an interesting conversation because it's on each streaming platform to release if people are watching or not. Like, for example, at times, Peacock has been, hey, look at all the people who are watching, fill in the blank, like, like, a, like a golf tournament or something. But they won't release every baseball game that's on Apple, it's on, on Peacock. Whereas we know that we actually can get the information for, like, how many total people are streaming minutes and hours on each platform. So, for example, we know that Apple TV is not in the top four streaming platforms in terms of total viewership, in terms of hours and minutes. Here we go. By the way, two on, one out. Hoskins just walked. Here comes Boom. And the other part is we know for, like, a, a series. Like, for example, Mike, you're watching The Blacklist, okay, on Netflix. Yeah. Nick- I watched two episodes last night. Go Ooh, ahead. There you go. So, I'm up to uh, se- season seven episode i'm on episode seven of season seven now So, like we can figure out we can find out according to different like you know streaming services the information they release about how many people are streaming a specific show per minutes per hour well i'm sure they know how many people are doing watching anything right what i'm saying i'm sure they know how many people are watching the previews like when you just hover over top of something and the pre-roll comes on but what i'm saying is we don't actually have the numbers how many people are watching these games we don't but they do but when, that's my point. So we don't actually know how many people are actually consuming this stuff. Right. But I'm saying they know how many people. And look, we as fans, the one thing that this is, like, for instance, Thursday night football, you are not inconveniencing. <laughs> if your team's on Thursday night football once a year, is that worth it to you to get Amazon Prime? If you're somebody who doesn't watch the rest of the league, probably not. So, 
Amazon Prime has 20 Yankees games. That is where I think, like, for instance, Amazon Prime was trying to get the Big Ten. They were trying to get that Big Ten package. Right. They didn't end up getting it. Correct. But that is where, like, if you got the Big Ten, and I'm imagining they're not going to get Ohio State, they're not going to get Michigan, but they might get, say, Maryland or Rutgers or Purdue or Indiana, Illinois. If you're an Illinois fan or a Northwestern fan. Or a Wisconsin fan. And you're on Amazon Prime three, four times during the course of the year, would that be something that you would say? Like, to me, the sporadic nature of the way these games are. The Phillies are on Apple TV Plus like three times the whole season. That, to me, is not worth my time to get Apple TV. I can miss three games. But if I'm a Yankees fan... I think they're on Prime 20 times. I think they have a local package for just the Yankees. Which is smart. Now, here's the thing with Apple TV+. Plus. So you have two options with that situation. One, if you know you can get it, maybe you only sign up for like the free trial and then watch one of the three games if you're the Phillies fan. Or if you're a Phillies fan because of today's world, the you can get the, the quote-unquote highlight package that is shown on Quick Pitch on MLB Network. It's on YouTube every night. It's an 8 to 10 minute rundown of the entire game's highlights in extended form. So if you're yeah, a Yeah, if I want to watch the game, I want to watch the game. No, I don't want to watch an 8 to 10 minute thing. If you didn't thing. catch it on Apple TV Plus, you can watch that instead. Yeah, but isn't that something else you have to pay for? No, it's on YouTube. It's free. Oh, I thought you said MLB. No, no, no. It's so for those who don't know, so I probably didn't preface this properly. So there's a show on MLB Network called Quick Pitch. Quick Pitch is they take the calls of the home team, television broadcasts, and they mold it into like an eight, ten minute rundown of the game. And Quick Pitch is just an hour long of like eight minutes of every game that day Mm -hmm. and that evening, all from the broadcasts of the home broadcasts. And then they take the extended version of what was on Quick Pitch and they put it on YouTube each night. I just wonder, in these instances, are these streaming services getting their bang for the buck? Like the Phillies are on Apple TV Plus tomorrow night against mm-hmm. the Mets. Scherzer against Suarez. Now, Suarez isn't like some uh, sexy big-name pitcher, but it's a really good pitching matchup. Nola DeGrom on Saturday, and then Wheeler Bassett is the the, the Sunday matchup. Um with the Eagles playing tomorrow night, I would be less inclined to go through what I went through last week. <laughs> Which I essentially... Oh, man, that's a low. That's a bad call. That pitch is low. But this umpire's been having a tough day at the office. Not because he's been wrong, just because it seems that the two teams are barking at him a lot. But that pitch was low. That was a bad call. That was a bad call. That was low. The call um, earlier they complained about was not as egregious. That I mean, that's below his knees right there. That's close. I mean, it's gonna. It's they, not close. They're gonna enough. show this. They're gonna. It's gonna be borderline. Yeah, nope. it's close. It's not as close as the other pitch. No, I'm just saying it's close. But I mean, it's not egregiously bad. It's just not a strike. It's not a strike. It's not egregious though. The the other one that they were barking about the Phillies were at least not the Marlins one, but the Phillies were. That was that was right on the on the edge. Like, yeah, that, no, that, that one. Sense. Look, this whole thing with the strike zone thing up there. Boehm is a perfect example of that. 
Boehm is like six foot five. Is his strike zone? This, do they do they make it longer because Boehm? I don't think so. I think they keep the square the same size. And his strike zone is not the same size as somebody else's strike zone. Right. So for him, that strike zone might not be low enough. So it may, in fact, have hit the strike zone if they move the, 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 the rectangle proportionate to who the batter is. And I don't think they do that. Not the computer. Now that I no. saw that, it's not on that. It wasn't as low as it seemed when he called him out on strikes from the one angle. Right. Now, when I saw the replay and then they showed the thing, you have to keep that in mind. I don't think they make the rectangle bigger because Bohm is taller. I think the rectangle stays the same. Exactly. And Bohm is six foot six, which means his rectangle or square needs to be bigger than, say, Stubbs, who is like five foot two. <laughs> uh, Suarez, Suarez tomorrow night. That's the Apple TV now. See, like to me, I can't, for whatever reason, I haven't figured out. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong. I can't get the game in my living room. So I got the game finally. I had to go to my bedroom and watch the game. Well, on Friday night, I don't want to sit in my bed to watch the Phillies play. So I, mean, I can't blame you for that. No, I mean, so, like, that, I, I just don't think, like, baseball is just basically, and this is another part of it. Like, we're talking about going to a game. Call, like, the Phillies' attendance today is embarrassing. If they, I don't know if they announced it yet or not. I haven't seen the official announcement. It's yet. embarrassing. The stadium is completely empty. For the most part. I mean, I mean there's what, maybe eight thousand people there? No, nah, I don't know about eight thousand, but it's not I would say it's less than twenty. Let's see if they have it announced yet here. Um the capacity is forty three six five one. No, they have not put the game information out there yet. But I wouldn't say there's more than there was there's certainly not more than there was last night. And there was only twenty thousand there last night. So we're talking about the price. Baseball made all this extra money by going to Apple TV Plus, Amazon Prime, Peacock. That's a whole other thing that should tick fans off of the price to go to these games. With all this extra money, they're going to these streaming services to make it harder for you to watch the game at home. So are you saying you want me to go to the ballpark? <laughs> now you're charging me, you're price gouging me on one end, and you're putting games on these services that, you know, Quite frankly, I don't want to buy. I don't. I don't want to get Apple TV Plus. There's no need for me to get Apple TV Plus. They, they there's a added there's an idea of convenience. When you're paying to watch something at home, you're paying for the convenience. And the problem is, is that something like Apple TV Plus for many people and other apps as well, they're not as easily accessible as a Netflix, Hulu some of these other things. And we know Netflix has zero sports on it. Hulu basically just rebroadcasts what's on the actual networks. So you have to take those. Those are two of the four top streaming yeah, services. See, what I think is going to happen is eventually, and I think this is going to happen sooner than later. Like, for instance, Peacock is not growing their app at all. Not at all. So unless you are a WWE fan which basically brought them a built-in million subscribers. Correct. They are not growing it at all. What I think, and Fox basically, see, Fox played this right. They let all these other places do the streaming services and go down that road. And Fox, I guess they're somewhat tied to what, FUBU? Is that what it's called? They're technically tied to FUBU, but they're also in part tied to Hulu as well. 
because... But, but they don't have their own Fox streaming service. No, what they do is there's... So they have FUBU, which is they technically own, but they also have an agreement with Hulu as well, FUBU and Hulu, Hulu, that everything that's on a Fox property will eventually go to Hulu. So Fox basically sat this out and said, you guys all fight for the subscribers and develop all that stuff. Paramount Plus is CBS's version. Yeah. I can't imagine anybody has that. There's a small contingent. I mean, if you go by the streaming subscriber numbers and the and the actual, like, you know, watching hours, they do. They're, they're there. Like, they're in the conversation, but they're nowhere near the, the big boys. Right. So, and then you've got your Amazon Prime, your uh, Apple TV Plus. Yeah, the way, the way it works is, for those who don't know, if you go by the you know, number of subscribers and number of viewing hours, Amazon Prime is easily in the top four in both categories. The problem is that the gap between an Amazon Prime, let's say, and an Apple TV Plus, it's big. It's funny. As my top tweet on my timeline is uh, to sign up for four ninety nine a month for NFL Plus. <laughs> So another, what I think is going thing. to end up happening is much like what happened with Sirius XM. You had Sirius, you had XM, they tried to compete against each other, it was asinine, and XM basically could not compete, so they just basically merged with Sirius. I think what's going to end up happening is most likely Apple TV and Amazon Prime will just suck up them all and it will be two basic like mega services that you can subscribe to. And if you want to get both, you get both. If you want to get one or the other, you get one or the other. Well, let me throw this into the conversation. So did you see the news about Walmart yesterday? No, I don't think so. So Walmart has a competing platform with Amazon's service called Walmart Premier or Walmart Plus, depending on you know where you know, what you sign There's up. Nobody for. at this game today. My God, Walmart is trying to compete with Amazon. They're realizing that part of the people who are signing up for Amazon Prime to get like the you know the Prime you know delivery and the discounts because Walmart's trying to do their own. Walmart is now going to try to partner with one of the streaming services. So if you sign up for Walmart, you automatically get a streaming service, too. Well, that's what a lot of these things do, too, by the way. But what I'm saying is is that now you're throwing Walmart's money into the conversation. It's like if I get Xfinity, I automatically get Peacock. Right, so now... And I get Netflix. So the idea is... I get Netflix because I have... They pay for my... Xfinity. Xfinity pays for my Netflix. Correct. It's fun. So the idea is is that if you're Apple TV and you partner with Walmart, if you sign up for Walmart's version of Apple Prime, you automatically get Apple TV. Yeah, the game tomorrow night exclusively on Apple TV Plus. It's a uh, Steven Nelson on play by play with Cliff Floyd and Katie Nolan in the booth. Heidi Watney is the dugout reporter. Tomorrow At this night. point, Heidi Whitey doesn't do quick pitch and MLB Network something. But, you know, good uh, Live, 97.3 ESPN. Uh, Kevin Durant, does he really want to play for the Sixers? We'll ask Scoop B in an hour. He's got some insight on that you're not going to want to miss. Plus, football at four. Bob Wankel uh, from the ballpark tonight at five. When this Phillies game's done, he'll have reaction at five o'clock right here on the Sports Bash. Now, back to the Sports Bash. ESPN.
3.52 on the Sports Bash. Get your game on at the Gallery Bar Book and Games in Ocean Casino Resort this football season. Cheers your favorite drinks while cheering on your favorite team. Go to the Gallery in Ocean Casino Resort and go for the win. For more information, visit theoceanac.com. Must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Don't forget, the Sports Bash is live every Monday from the Gallery. You can stop on out and see us. Mondays at the gallery. Stop out, make a couple wagers, watch some games, have a drink at the bar. You can play table games. They really did a great job, man, at uh, fixing that. I don't want to say fixing it. The old place, the old book there was fantastic. They just made it more conducive to, like, hanging out and, and, like, having a drink and doing other things rather than just kind of chilling on the couch all day, right? You go out there, people are just hanging out in chairs, hanging out on the couch, and they had a couple of high tops. Now they've made it where you can sit at the bar, have a drink. You can play blackjack. There's table games, roulette. Uh, they really kind of spiced up the action, if you will. Um, and you can still make bets in there. They got the, the uh, windows. So Mondays, we're there live. Sports Bash, live on location. Uh, I invite you all to come on out. Anytime you can get out there would be uh, fantastic. Say hello. Last week, we uh, had a bunch of people, actually, for our first time out there. Like, you know, we didn't really uh, have a whole heck of a lot of promotion that we were going to be there. And we were there. We had some local people come on out and say hello. Uh, We had the guy who uh, basically, we came off the street, got the hat. We gave him the hat. We entered him to win this Eagles road trip. If you have not qualified for the Eagles road trip, go to 973ESPN.com. And uh, we will call out another name next hour here on The Bash. Next week, uh, we will... um, Basically, you know, the first Eagles game will be uh, will be on. So Monday, when we are back at the gallery, we'll be breaking down that Eagles game. We'll really start to get into our fall lineup here shortly. You know, Johnny Max on Mondays now. Uh, excuse me. Uh, well, Mondays he'll be on at 3 o'clock. We'll do Grayson's grades. Scott Grayson will be back. So next week we'll start to expand our fall lineup with Grayson's grades. John Mullen, Casey Joyner will be back for another year of... One thought, every game, that'll be Mondays and Fridays. Sal Powell is back for Sal Powell Fridays. Uh, Scott, Sky Guasco will be back for the uh, Fantasy Fix on Thursday shows. We'll do our uh, NFL first look on Thursdays as well. We'll see if we have a Thursday home this season as well. We've been out on location on Thursdays for probably the last 10 years, except for the COVID year. So we'll see if we're out on location at another uh, location on Thursdays. But Mondays at the Gallery at Ocean Casino Resort. Hey, next hour, I have another qualifying name. Football at four. Andrew DeCecco was at Eagles practice yesterday. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with 97.3 ESPN.com's Andrew DeCecco. My first allegiance is what will be best for the Philadelphia Eagles and our fans for the next three, four, five years. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. And Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. And it's brought to you by East Coast Roofing Siding and Windows. Serving all of South Jersey. If you call, they'll show up. Online at eastcoastroofing.com. Andrew DeCecco, his observations from camp. We'll see what he saw at the Novacare Center when he stopped by this week as the Eagles get ready 
for the Jets. And I know the uh, Birds fans out there, 6.30, pregame 7.30. Merrill Reese, Mike Quick, tomorrow night right here on 97.3 ESPN. We finally reached that time of the year, Andrew, the first preseason game. And I don't know how much we're going to get uh, from these particular games, but let's see what you saw when you were at the NovaCare Complex uh, this week. And I guess the first thing would be uh, Jalen Hurts and how much uh, different different version of Hurts you saw from what you saw this week to the guy that we saw at the end of last year. Well, to be honest with you, Mike, there wasn't a whole lot of emphasis on the passing game when I was there on Tuesday. It was a lot of backed up drills with the team was backed up and a lot of the running game was really uh, it was really implemented there. You saw a lot of Miles Sanders, particularly a lot of Jason Huntley. But the Hurst, the throws that Jalen Hurst did make, you saw I saw personally a lot more zipping on his passes, a lot more anticipation. Still a little bit you know, quick to bail from the pocket and, and, you know, use his legs when things aren't necessarily materializing down the field, which you would like to see a little bit more, uh, a little bit more discipline and staying in the pocket and allowing things to develop down the field. But, you know, I think that's sort of going to be a a field thing, a touch and go situation that I think is ultimately going to uh, work itself out on the field. But I, I, he does look like an improved quarterback. You know, it might be incremental improvements, but I do think you're going to see a different version of Jalen Hurts in 2022. Uh, the word you just used there, incremental, I mean, is that good enough? I mean, if I told you that Jalen Hurts made incremental improvements, is that good enough for this team to be a legitimate contender, or do they need more from him? Well, you're certainly going to need more from him. And there were plays that were left on the field. you got to remember, there was a lot of touchdown passes that he had last season that were wiped away, which would, you know, take the stats for what they're worth. They're stats. Sometimes they're a little hollow, but that would have that would have added to his total and make it the numbers look a little bit better than they ultimately did. But uh, I think if he makes different improvements as far as developing quick chemistry with, with A.J. Brown, which if you're looking at it from how I saw in a training camp, if that's any indication of what you're going to see this season, take the over on the total of uh, A.J. Brown's targets because that was the apple of his eye, and rightfully so. It's his best friend and the team's best receiver and the big-bodied weapon that they didn't have. So I think you're going to see a, a lot of uh, a lot of passes go thrown in his direction, which is ultimately going to help Jalen Hurts and the offense. Devontae Smith was out with, an, with a sideline with an injury, so he wasn't there. But I, I think that seeing the, the, the contingent of pass catchers that he has at his disposal coupled with a, a second year of working with a, a stable uh, coaching staff and just knowing what it takes from him to get his play to the level that the Eagles expect I think just having that understanding is ultimately going to uh, help make him a better player and a, and a more uh, and a more proficient quarterback for this football team and you know what Jalen Hurts is someone that Look, I, he realizes that this is pretty much his. his he's going to get one season here in Philadelphia to really showcase everything he, that he can do and put it all together. Or they're going to look elsewhere to, to at the quarterback position next season. So I, I think he, he's very much aware of that. I think all that is going to all that taken into account is going to ultimately put together. I think he's going to be able to put together a better season as a result. Now, Andrew, in your notes over at InsideTheBirds.com, you said uh, if you're predicting AJ. Brown's uh, target totals take the over and I guess my question off that would be what does that mean for the other guys Goddard Smith and whoever that third guy will be I mean what kind of role would they have in this offense if Brown if you know you're saying hey take the over I know you're half joking but you you know Brown's going to get a lot of targets where do you see the other guys role now uh, in this offense with that a number one receiver that they really didn't have last year 
Right, and I think you're going to see him lean on A.J. Brown, especially when you know, knowing that he can fit the ball in there. It doesn't necessarily have to be precise and on, necessarily on target. He, he's someone that's going to go up and fight for the football and uh, very aggressive. You can get him the ball in space, and he's really explosive and physical after the catch, which is another presence that they didn't have uh, in the offense, another element, I should say. But I think the biggest, uh, I think someone that's going to see the biggest impact in, in, in terms of, you know, maybe not have their, the, the ideal target share that many would envision would probably be Devontae Smith. I think Dallas Goddard is going to be someone that he's going to continue to look for over the middle. It's going to be a nice security blanket and a good red zone option. But I think if you're really looking at it in terms of where to, you know, there's only one football. How do you determine, how do you allocate, you know, the, the, all these targets and, you know, with, with always so many snaps to have. Uh, in going into a game, and I think Devontae Smith is going to be the one who maybe takes a little bit of a dip, of a dip in his targets. Because remember, he was the top guy last year, but now you have uh, you, you have. I think Kenny Gainwell is going to have a bigger role in the passing game as well, so he's going to see some targets. Goddard's going to be a, he uh, a heavy presence in the middle of the, in the middle of the offense. I think Quez Watkins is going to see a lot more because he's going to have single coverage and be have a have a chance to exploit. So the, the team's third corner as a vertical slot and have a little bit more explosive plays in his direction. So I think he's going to have some. Uh, but so then you, you don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you're going to be able to get the ball to everybody. So I think if I had to pinpoint and give it to one guy, I think it would be Devontae Smith. I know I noticed in your um, observations, you mentioned Zach Pascal and said that he stood out. I mean, he's the veteran guy. Uh, so people generally don't get excited about like, ah, the veteran. We, everyone's always excited about the new rookies and young guys. But uh, what could be a big part of Pascal's addition to this offense. What can he add? Well, he's going to be he's going to be the fourth receiver on this team. But he's also he's a veteran. He's a hard nosed guy that's willing to do the dirty work. He's gritty. He's going to make those tough catches in, in key moments. And I think situationally, Mike, he's going to help out, be it in the red zone or, or, or timely third down receptions. He's going to have a role. It's not going to be probably a large one, but you're having a veteran that has experience with Nick Sirianni going back to his time with Indianapolis. He's a guy that knows what it takes to fight from the bottom of the roster and knows he puts in the, because he was an undrafted free agent that bounced around. He was initially with the Titans, then he found a home with the, the Colts. So I think he, he's, he's willing to do what it takes to see the field, and he's a good team guy. And I was really impressed with just his ability to, to, Pick things up. Remember, he missed a lot of the training camp with food poisoning, and he seemed to develop a, a pretty quick rapport with no matter who the quarterback was. So I think that speaks to his football, acu his football acumen and just his overall ability and, uh, and ability to just process different systems. He picked it up pretty quickly. So interested to see how they use him this season. I'm interested to get your take because a lot of these running backs that have been signed uh, in the last 48 hours, you probably have a lot more insight on uh, than the average guy who's down at the Novacare complex. But we know it's been Gainwell and Miles Sanders, but both those guys have been banged up. So who's left? Yeah, we have Jason Huntley. And Jason Huntley is someone who I thought had a decent shot to make the team last summer. It really impressed me in the, in the practice that I was at. And then this year as well, it just it, you love his acceleration and his burst. Doesn't have the size, but you know I talked to his college offensive coordinator a couple of years ago when the Eagles first signed him, and he said, you know, he doesn't look at he doesn't look like it. He's a little so it's a little bit deceptive. But he was the strongest guy on our football team, so he doesn't necessarily have that. But he does run with with with, with proper pad level and some power. That's not his game at the pro level. I get that, but he's a good receiver. Can really help in the kick return game. Now I don't know if that aspect of his game is going to be enough to get him onto the roster. you got to remember how often 
do our teams really able to return kicks in today's NFL given the given the different rules? But I really think that he will probably be a guy that sticks around the practice squad. Grant, you know, provided he doesn't really showcase too much in the preseason, enough so where a team would want to scoop him up off waivers. But I was really impressed with him, and I have been for the second year in a row. I would like to see what he can do with his opportunities in the preseason. You also have Kennedy Brooks from Oklahoma, big-bodied running back. He had a couple of carries the other day, and again, it's hard to gauge a running backs what they're able to really do in training camp because there's no contact. But you really like the way that he hits the hole with authority. He runs with, you know, he he, he runs with a heavy pad level. I think he's going to be a guy that seeks out contact between the tackles and is going to have some of those runs that you're going to see end up on Twitter after these pre, some of these preseason games. And you look at the, the dire situation of the running back room right now, Huntley and Kennedy Brooks are going to see the lion's share of, of, of the snaps, I would think, on Friday night. So people are going to get introduced to Kennedy Brooks pretty soon. Uh, also, you, you talk about the lion's share of the snaps. I would imagine those are going to go to Reed Sinnett, Carson Strong, and uh, maybe uh, Gardner Minshew will get a quarter. But I, I, I would imagine you can see more of Sinnett and Strong in these three preseason games. And uh, a lot of people really impressed what they see from Reed Sinnett. Yeah, and I would be one of them. I wrote about Reed and my observations. You know, he didn't get a ton of snaps. He saw some uh, some action towards the back part of the practice, but quick release, strong arm. He's very decisive in where he's going to go with the football, and just know just seeing his progression and, and some of the things that I've gathered. He's had a very very consistent camp, and at six four two twenty five. He has the size that you look for. I believe he's 25 years old. So they're, if he's able to showcase any intangibles or, or promise in the preseason, the Eagles could have a, a long-term solution as a backup quarterback. I don't know what you're going to be if the Eagles are justifiably going to be able to keep three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. But I think he'll, he's definitely in the conversation to stick on the practice squad. He's someone that always started one season at San Diego. That was the senior season. Threw for, I believe, it was like 3,200 yards, 32 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, just under 67% completion percentage. So he's someone that I think needs the reps. And, every, and the, the reps that he's getting, he seems to be becoming, becoming more comfortable in, in how to orchestrate and, and facilitate the ball in an NFL offense. So Reed Sennett's a guy that I would look for in, in these games to see what he's able to do because he'll be throwing to a guy like Deion Kane who has some NFL experience. Like, he's not throwing to guys that are, ne- that are necessarily green. So I want to see if he's able to take advantage of the weapons that are at his disposal. And you'll see a lot of him uh, probably Friday night, and you can hear that game on 97.3. Let's look at your observations on defense because there's a lot of storylines on that side of the ball, and uh, we keep hearing great reports about Marcus Epps. He's a guy that I know you like coming into camp, and uh, he's shouldering a lot of the load uh, at safety right now with Anthony Harris. Yeah, Marcus Epps is the Eagles' best coverage safety. I, I can definitively say that right now, and, and and I would like to see what he's able to do now now with an elevated role, right? He's never done that at this level before, so I think there's some question marks there, but you never question his instinctiveness and his toughness and the way that he – and his processing. It's, uh, it's just the opportunities, right? I mean, he, he's someone that has made considerable improvements each season in the NFL – and obviously the defensive coordinators in the past, be it Jim Schwartz or Jonathan Gannon, have instilled a lot of trust in him to carry out his responsibilities. So now I would like to see what he's able to do. Now I think he's best suited, Mike, to be a, a not not the top safety, but the second best safety on the back end. You know, like 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 the second best guy. He shouldn't be your top option on the yeah. depth chart. So they have a lot of questions there as far as 
Anthony Harris and Jaquaski Tard, who has not been there. Uh, he's been away from the team for a little bit with, due to personal reasons, so you hope everything's okay there. Uh, Anthony Harris is a very limited player. He missed yesterday's practice with an extracted tooth. Uh, but he's more of a box safety. He doesn't really have that, that range to cover on the back end consistently. So they're, they're really lean there at safety. Kayvon Wallace made a nice play when I was there. Uh, nice deflection that was intercepted by Davion Taylor. But other than that, he's been very quiet and, and hasn't really capitalized on his uh, additional snaps. So he kind of is what he is, Mike. He's more of a developmental depth safety that I think is going to always be on the fringes of the roster every summer. Decent special teams player, but I don't know that he's really going to move the needle. So he's going to have – he's facing an uphill battle as well. So he, that's a position that I could see the Eagles looking to add, whether it be free agency, waiver well, – I shouldn't say free agency because what you have out there is pretty much there for a reason. Either they're a veteran towards the end of their career or they have an extensive injury history. So I would say you would look at it via trade or, or possibly – you know, not necessarily Jesse Bates. It doesn't have to be a Jesse Bates, but it could be someone – in the situation, like a candidate, maybe like a Miles Sanders that's in the final year of their deal or something to that effect. But they definitely need to upgrade that room because if you, when you really look at it uh, beneath the surface, they, they have some issues there. You mentioned Bradbury, and then, uh, of course, we know Slay. And then there's all those other guys. Are any of those other guys pulling away uh, that stand out at all? Are any of those other guys, you know, uh, I guess they took uh, McPherson last year was a fourth-round pick. You've got all the different guys they've brought in, Mac McCain, um, Josh Joby, uh, these undrafted. All, all the way from the undrafted free agents to the fourth-round pick. Anybody in that group's catching your eye? Uh, I'll tell you who did. Uh, Josh Joby, the undrafted corner from um, from Alabama, right? I mean, he was somebody that was highly regarded when they signed him and didn't really hear much about him until recently. I believe even in, in the open practice, he really shined. And then when I saw them, he stripped Richard Rodgers on a completion, so it showed a little bit of a hustle and an effort to get after the football. Uh, when he when the guy caught a football in front of him, he was he was visibly upset. Like like he he doesn't take things lightly, and he's someone that is always on the ball. He's always in the vicinity. He's always flowing to the football with urgency, and and a very physical player. And I'm looking. Um, he's going to be a player that I'm going to be king on to see what he's able to do in a live game situation because I think that he's not afraid to mix it up, and I think he's going to be someone that can force a turnover here. Um, does he have an uphill battle to make the team? Of course. Uh, there's a guy named Josiah Scott, you may remember, who was who saw a very limited time on the Eagles last season. But he's the one. He's another guy that when I was there, he had an interception off of off a of deflection, and uh, he's had a very consistent camp. So these are these are a couple of guys that you're looking at uh, fight for that final job there. I mean, I initially thought I was going to go to Take Allen, but he really hasn't done anything to emerge from a crowded pack. Uh, Mac McCain had a couple of tough reps when I saw him, very physical. I should say he's a little bit grabby, particularly in one-on-ones, and I think he's a little bit further behind when you look at that. But other than that, there hasn't been um, Mario Goodrich, the the corner. I, I thought that uh, he, when you look at when you're comparing him to Josh Joby, the two undrafted signings, I think Josh Joby's uh, ahead of Mario at this at this point. All right, uh, the one area that I think a lot of people are interested to see what 
it looks like, maybe even starting on Friday night, is that linebacker room. You know, Nicobe Dean, people were excited about. Davion Taylor, a lot of talent. Um, then you got TJ Edwards, people are kind of like melancholy about it, seems. Kaiser White, they signed him in the offseason. People don't know a whole heck of a lot about him. How do you kind of see this linebacking? Uh, now you got a chance to see those guys on the field. Uh, obviously, a big upgrade in athleticism, I would imagine, at that position. Oh, it's an immense upgrade. And, you know, seeing it before your eyes really solidifies it and, and drives that point home, Mike. I'll, I'll say Kaiser White, to me, is so instinctive and flows and swarms to the football. It wouldn't surprise me, and I wrote this in my observations piece on InsideTheBirds.com, if he leads the Eagles and tackles this season. He just is relentless in pursuit, and he's coming off his best season of his career last season with uh, with the Chargers, and I think that's going to carry over right now. Remember, I think he's only 26 years old, so he's entering the prime of his career, and I think he's going to complement what they have in T.J. Edwards, who's that steady Eddie, and we talk about that while he doesn't have any uh, distinctive traits that really stand out or are overly enticing. I, I think that he makes up for it with his football IQ, his toughness, his his tackling prowess, and his ability to process things. He's a very smart player and, and very physical at the point of attack. So I think they kind of had the best of both worlds when you look at it in terms of their two stack linebackers there. Uh, I don't want to discredit Davion Taylor because he's had a really good camp. He stayed healthy, most importantly, very fluid, athletic. I think he's gotten a little bit. Um, a little bit more comfortable with, within what they're asking him to do, and he's someone that I would that I would think would have a very very much so have an elevated role as a third linebacker. And uh, I didn't see much in the way of Nakobe Dean. That's not like I mentioned on your show last week. That's not something to be alarmed about. But the guys in front of him right now are are, are you know they're absorbing the defense a little bit at, at a faster rate, and they're they're playing well. So I mean it's kind of going to be hard initially at least to break into that to break into that force field, so to speak. But I, I think that the, his ability will en- enable him to carve out a role, whether it be midway point of the season, late in the season, whatever the case may be. But I think he will have a role, just not right away, that those top three guys are, are performing pretty well. All right, we'll leave you with this because uh, you were there, so you get a chance to see the immense size of Jordan Davis, uh, the size, the athleticism, what it looks like in person for a man of that size. Yeah, he's a people mover, and he just engulfs. I mean, he just he just engulfs uh, guards, and he just clogs things up on the inside. And it really uh, it really drives home the point that I made initially when he was drafted, in that he's going to open things up for the entire defensive line because he has to be accounted for. There's going to be two guys that are going to have to dedicate themselves to trying to block him. He's going to be very disruptive and, and push the pocket. But you're going to see a guy like Josh Sweat that's going to be able to clean up. Hassan Reddick is going to be able to clean up. Brandon Graham, who looked fantastic, by the way, in training camp at 34 years old, coming off a, uh, an Achilles tendon tear. Uh, all these guys are going to be beneficiaries of, of just the immense size and power of a guy like Jordan Davis. All right, tomorrow night, our first look at this Eagles team. What is the biggest thing tomorrow night you will be locked in on? I want to see what some of these depth uh, defensive linemen uh, look like. Uh, Milton Williams or, or Teron Jackson, who looks a lot bigger and He's playing the game at a, at a at a faster rate this year, and he had a I believe he had a, a sack either to, uh, yesterday or today. Um, the, I want to see what how some of these depth guys fit in because they are locked and loaded as far as starters and immediate backups go. And I want to see if they're able to take advantage of it and and how much they've grown and and, and developed uh, from from this point 
last season. All right, uh, Andrew DeCecco at A DeCecco NFL tomorrow night. Eagles and Jets right here on 97.3 ESPN. Football at 4. We'll have it covered all next week here uh, to rack, recap the Eagles and Jets and get you ready for the Eagles and Browns next Sunday at 1 o'clock here on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Andrew, we'll talk to you, pal. Sounds good, man. Have a good one. Excellent breakdown and observations from Eagles training camp from Andrew DeCecco from InsideTheBirds.com and, of course, the Inside the Birds podcast. I'm Mike Gill. Get your game on at the Gallery Bar Book and Games and Ocean Casino Resort this football season. The Sports Bash will be live every Monday. Cheers your favorite drinks while cheering on your favorite team. Go to the Gallery and Ocean Casino Resort to go for the win. For more information, visit OceanAC.com. You must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We've got headlines on the other side. Plus, Bob Wankel, Phillies lose 3-0. They had bases loaded. Nobody out. Couldn't get anything done. Two strikeouts and a ground out to first base. Plus, Brandon Scoopy Robinson with all the details on Kevin Durant's interest in playing in Philadelphia. How real is it? That's in about 20 minutes from now. Stick around. Now, back to the Sports Bash. Phillies lose 3 nothing. Uh, Cabrera is tough, man. He is tough. And after that win last night, you face a really good pitcher. You figure a stinker was coming. And today was that. It was a stinker. It was one of those games where day game after night game, uh, they had a couple guys out of the lineup because of the day game after the night game. They got two out of three. If you're bitching and moaning that the Phillies lost this game today, you're not looking at the big picture. Baseball's a long season. Well, I mean, listen, the kid pitching today for the Marlins is very good, right? It's not like they got beat by some kid who's got a 675 ERA. Cabrera is really good. He's tough. He's been really good all season long. Uh, and you knew that the day game after night game after the energy you exploited to win that game last night uh, if you didn't figure, like, this game was as predictable as possible. Like, somebody asked, oh, what do you think the Phil's I said, probably going to get shut out. I would imagine, like, they're not going to ha- have a good offensive day today. And if you remember early in the game, um, there was a pop-up in the infield that Segura just missed. I mean, it was one of those type of days where they just didn't. I thought Gibson threw pretty well, six innings. Gave up two runs. He got he got off to a tough start. He kind of settled into the game, though. He only gave up uh, two earned runs. He gave up that run. He had bases loaded, nobody out in the first. He got out of He just kind of kept wiggling his way out. But this was a very predictable type of day. Uh, Cabrera, I like that kid a lot, man. He's really good. If you watch him pitch uh, for the Marlins this year, he is uh, he's tough. So you knew... When I saw Cabrera pitching today, in fact, when we saw Alcantara pitching yesterday, I was worried that they were going to take two out of three in the series because you had Cabrera and Alcantara with favorable pitching matchups. So uh, Phillies lose today, kind of a predictable loss. But uh, the big thing um, will be how do they bounce back against the Mets and they'll play the Mets starting tomorrow night. We're going to break that series down, talk about it coming up. At 5 o'clock tonight, Bob Wankel from Crossing Broad, uh, who was at the game today. So he'll give us a little insight on 
uh, the game and the atmosphere down there. I want to get his take on the, the, the attendance and what Jimmy Rollins had to say. All right, let's get into the headlines today here on the Sports Bash. What are some of the stories uh, that stand out? Uh, the NBA announced today that they are going to officially retire the number six around the league, Bill Russell's number in honor of uh, Bill Russell. Now, the NBA has said that anyone currently wearing number six, like LeBron James, I was going to say, doesn't LeBron wear six? May continue to do so, but after he relinquishes it, that organization, like the Lakers, can no longer issue Got it. number six. Now, according to... Six is an odd basketball number. It is. Like, a lot of times in basketball, guys wear numbers that the officials can... Like, give to the scoring table. You know, like, um, you'll see them, like, hey, 10. So, two fives on their hands. Like, not that you can't do six, like, five and one, but, like, you don't see, like, 26 or numbers like that. Now, according to Basketball Reference, there are 25 players in the NBA who wear number six. Wow. I had no idea about that until I read about this. Well, you got Dr. J. You probably had people who were doctors. Currently. That's what I'm saying. You probably had players now who may have been a Dr. J fan. Maybe when they were a kid. These kids. The kids playing the league now weren't alive when Dr. J. But they might. You know what I'm saying? Like, they might know Dr. J wore six, so I want to wear six. That list of players includes Chris Porzingis, Alex Caruso, Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams, and the aforementioned LeBron James. What are your thoughts on the NBA retiring number six? Nice gesture. Nice gesture. Bill Russell was a pioneer. I mean, he was absolutely a legend. Championships 11, uh, player, coach, broadcaster. Uh, He basically did it all and was one of the winningest players in the history of their organization. Um, If Jerry West is the logo, Bill Russell deserves to have his number retired. How's that? There you go. Did you see the story about Brett Favre? Uh, no. Brett Favre made an appearance on the Bubba Army radio show this week. Because we all know that show. The Green Bay Packers Hall of Famer was asked how many serious head injuries he sustained in his 20-year professional career. Favre's response is he believed, leading into a broader definition of what a concussion is, he said, quote, the thing about concussions is we still don't know how many of them. If you had to ask me 10 years ago how many concussions I had, I probably would have said only three. But now, with more information that we have, there's a possibility I had hundreds of concussions. No doubt about it. I mean, in that time when you could just like, you know, we all bemoan the hits and the flags that they throw in the NFL. They went from one extreme to the next. They never kind of eased it. They just went from zero to 60. And Brett Favre played at a time when you took shots and you were watching guys woozy getting up. So uh, I have no doubt that Brett Favre and others from that era probably had hundreds of undiagnosed. Favre says a boxer gets knocked and tries to get up. His legs are rubber. To me, that's a concussion based on the current definition. With that being said, there are probably players like myself that could maybe even rationalize they had thousands of concussions. Yeah, I, I don't doubt it. I mean, I, like, you hate to just, like, um, to dismiss off oh, thousands. Dude, we have no idea. These guys are playing fast as can be, the biggest guys hitting them every single play, and you had fair game to hit those guys back then. 
One more NBA story I want to squeeze in before we get to Brandon Scoopy Robinson next. Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports is reporting that LeBron James had a sit-down meeting with the Los Angeles Lakers. He spoke with Darvin Ham, the new head coach, the GM, Rob Palenka, and also, according to reports, Jeannie Buss was in attendance to meet with LeBron. According to reports, LeBron uh, basically said to the Lakers that he uh, wants to make sure that last year never happens again. It was LeBron and his agent were meeting with Polinka and Ham along with other Lakers executives. They are also meeting because their current contract dialogue needs to be discussed in an hour-long meeting expressing concerns and hearing out strategies and opinions from all sides to assure the last year's season doesn't repeat and LeBron stays in L.A. long term. Well, LeBron is in an interesting spot because he can get a new contract, but doesn't he also want to play with his son? Right. That whole thing is clouding over everyone. Everything. So, I mean, this whole Lakers offseason has been kind of... Uh, <laughs> I don't know where they think that team is going to be much better than the team last year unless they just say, hey, everybody's healthy and that should be different because they basically haven't done anything for a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. Yeah, they changed the coach. They actually lost one of their important players from last year, Malik Monk. They lost him in free agency after Malik Monk told the Athletic in an article that he wanted to return to the Lakers. Yeah. And instead, the Lakers basically didn't give him what they considered a, uh, a fair offer. Well, we'll see. I mean, the Lakers are going to make news no matter what. But honestly, uh, I did read something that suggested that they're going to run their offense through Anthony Davis this year. But he's got to be on the court. He's got to be healthy. By the way, LeBron also, apparently him and Darvin Ham agreed that LeBron's objectives and his objectives are to hold everyone accountable and foster an atmosphere of selflessness, sources told Chris Hayne of Yahoo Sports. Good for them. Have you ever seen this happen before? A home run cycle. Last night, Cardinals minor leaguer Chandler Redmond hit a solo home run, a two-run home run, a three-run home run, and a grand slam home run in four consecutive innings. It's only been done once before in the minor leagues and has never happened in the major leagues. It's one of the greatest stories I've ever heard. You call that guy up immediately? No. But you definitely, I don't know, do you give him a, does he get like a plaque or some sort of like uh, area in Cooperstown to like, hey, Chandler Redmond did something that only one other person professional baseball has ever done major or minor leagues like you I mean, you I have to recognize game. that right i've never first off i've never even thought about that before like oh my god a guy hit a solo homer a two-run a three-run and a grand slam all you know i once hit a grand slam and a three-run homer in the same game but not a not with a solo homer and a two-run homer in the same game it was like Amazingly enough to hit a three-run homer and a grand slam in the same game, let alone two more homers, and they happen to be a solo and a two-run. That's the most amazing feat I think I've ever heard of in my life. Uh, I never. I mean, you can't do it if you try because you have yeah. to have the guys on base. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just so rare. But he did it in consecutive innings. I wonder I if they were that, in that yeah. order. 
Did he hit the solo homer, then the two run homer, then the no, three run no. homer, and then the grand slam? They were showing on Sports Center today. Apparently, he hit the. He hit the two-run homer first. Okay, well, that would even be more amazing. But the fact that he did it to me, when I read this, I said, you've got to be kidding me. How crazy. Yeah. Now I go in the hall. Maybe the bat or the glove or something. Yeah, I mean, put, like, I don't know, could they collect all four balls? Can you get his bat? Something. Maybe hey, his helmet? minor leaguer Chandler Redmond did something that had only been done once before in professional baseball. Baseball history. I mean, you couldn't even do that in Little League if you tried. My home runs, uh, the three-run homer and the Grand Slam were in a high school game. Not even Little League could I do that. Hit a Grand Slam, a three-run homer, a two-run homer, and a solo shot all in the same game. I mean, that's ridiculous. I ate my Wheaties that morning. Did you? It was a morning game, that's why. I think the pitcher was probably hungover. <laughs> He's grooving him into me. He's like, I want to get out of here. Get right. this. <laughs> See what you can do with this one. I can only imagine a scenario where a pitcher is turning around yeah. and just being like, well, you hit one off me. Try to hit one more. Uh, oh, darn it. He did it. <laughs> uh, Kevin Durant, how real is it that he wants to play for the Sixers? And how real is it that the Sixers want him to play for them? Scoop B from Bally Sports NBA Insider next. Now, back to Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and South Jersey's sports leader. All right, Kevin Durant, 76ers for real. How realistic? Brandon Scoop B. Robinson, NBA Insider Bally Sports, has some insight that you should definitely listen to because... This Durant thing has uh, taken twists, turns all over the place, and nothing should surprise you at this point. So let's get into it now with Scoopy here on the Sports Pass Live 97.3 ESPN. And, you know, everything was quiet on that front until yesterday. All of a sudden, Scoopy, and all of a sudden, the Sixers name got thrown into the mix. You know, before it was the Sun and the Heat. How did the Sixers all of a sudden make their way onto Kevin Durant's list of teams he would be interested in? Hey, Mike, always good to talk to you. Um, credit uh, Ian Begley uh, at SNY uh, and his reporting. And, um, you know, from uh, everything that, that seems to be pointed in that direction, uh, KD is still very unhappy uh, with what's going on. Um, but the Sixers, uh, I, I made some calls today uh, and spoke to two folks. Uh, and uh, one is tied directly uh, with someone who, would be involved in the trade, and the other is someone who would know some things that are going on within the organization, uh, Philadelphia-wide. And uh, what I got from it is that uh, their feelings are mutual, um, and that uh, the Sixers did uh, place a call to uh, Brooklyn yesterday uh, when that news uh, was broken by Ian Bagley. But um, the thing about it is, in order for that to happen, uh, you'd have to include uh, Tyrese Maxey. Uh, you'd have to include uh, Matisse Thybul, and you'd have to include uh, Tobias Harris, uh, who is a native New Yorker. Uh, his dad is from Harlem. He's from Long Island. So he has ties to both the suburbs and the city. And um, it, 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 it'll be interesting to see if that happens. But I do think that there are some other deals that, that, that are a little bit better, in my opinion. 
Uh, obviously, um, you know, the Sixers, it seems that they have the players like Maxi, Thiebel, Harris. That would be suitable, right? But it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense other than that. They don't have a lot of draft capital that would make Brooklyn jump off the page at a deal uh, with the Sixers, right? I mean, that gets tricky uh, because I think a lot of times, particularly a team like Brooklyn, a team like Philly, and a team like, I don't know, the Suns or the Pelicans, uh, and less the Pelicans and more the Suns, are looking to build for the now, uh, to build a championship team uh, and fill out a championship roster uh, with picks. If the Nets are looking to recoup that, it gets interesting. Um, the one thing that I can say, if you're looking to move uh, Durant uh, for that, um, I think the thing that gets interesting, um, just to kind of go back to January and February, uh, when there were conversations that were being had, Brooklyn did want Tyrese Maxey in that Harden deal, Harden for Simmons deal, and Philadelphia told him no. Yeah, so... Um, so what's your- well, as you kind of insinuated that, uh, you know, the Sixers were right on the phone as soon as they heard that, uh, you know, uh, Durant has some interest there. They could be interested, but they just might not have uh, the will or the want or the firepower to get a deal done, right? Is that is that the biggest I mean, obstacle? The Sixers would like to do a deal that the Nets just might say, you don't have enough to, to suffice for us. I would like to take Beyonce on a date, but Jay-Z may have other plans. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're all we're all in a situation where some things we can't we just can't have what we want, and it seems that that might be right. where the Sixers, you know, might be. Yeah, they're interested. The, the brass is saying we we love to get this done, but I mean, how much hardball? Are the, I mean, the Sixers were in this exact situation last year, so they know what kind of calls they got for Ben Simmons. I would imagine the Nets are getting calls, but people are probably trying to lowball them. Yeah, I mean, but this is the thing. This has been an ongoing thing um, all summer. Um, the Nets have had conversations with, uh, from my reporting, the Raptors. The Raptors didn't want to give up Scotty Barnes. The Suns didn't want to give up Devin Booker. Um, and, you know, the Pelicans did not want to give up Brandon Ingram. And um, you're going down the list. Um, when I remember after Summer League was over, and I know that the Nets were having conversations with the Lakers or revisit of a conversation with the Lakers, uh, I was on the phone with a Nets official, and they said to me, and I'll give you the edited version because we are on live radio, <laughs> so you don't have to prepare the bleep button. But, you know, we don't have to give up sugar, honey, iced tea for Kyrie or KD. And they said to me that the thing that you're going to see, this was on a Sunday, I remember, because I was watching The Simpsons at 8 o'clock that night. And the thing that stood out was they said to me, um, you're going to see a storyline come Monday stating basically the Nets can't get nothing, and it got quiet. You didn't start hearing things until Tuesday. And so what ultimately is happening is you're getting these low ball offers and they're reactionary based upon what Kevin Durant wants. And I've said this on Spotify where I host the weekly show and I'll say it on your show. I think as much as Kevin Durant wants to leave, I also think that this is positioning of power uh, for a potential takeover for uh, Rich Kleiman, who is Kevin Durant's business associate, his business manager, his agent. Wow. Um, I I think much bigger than the fact that Philadelphia is being named. And I think this is something that has been going on and being discussed so much throughout the course of the summer. The bottom line is, um, it seems as though uh, Kyrie, uh, at times as reported, he wanted to go elsewhere. There was no suitable uh 
person out there that or team out there that could take on that contract. So he had to opt in. Um, and then on the Kevin Durant side, there's some issues there. I know this is a Philadelphia-centered show, um, but a lot of this goes back to some of the the, the uh, housekeeping that wasn't in order uh, in Brooklyn, namely the fact that Adam Harrington, a close friend of and who was an assistant coach with, with Durant, uh, was let go. Um, there's some things on the Kyrie side with an assistant coach there. Mm-hmm. And the fact that a lot of guys on that team just don't like Steve Nash, and that was very underreported. James Harden didn't get along with Steve Nash, and that's why ultimately he one of the reasons that he requested a trade seeing a lot of guys that are unhappy and here we are now so how much uh you know durant is open to playing with james harden what's their relationship like like is he like man i brought harden to brooklyn and then harden wanted to get out of here but i'd like to rekindle that relationship if possible so how much is his relationship with harden in play here um i'm not sure i know that ultimately the way he left Many people thought that it was a Harden and Kyrie issue, and it was more of a, a, a Harden and Steve Nash issue. Um, I, I think it's bigger than just Harden. If you're given the opportunity to team up with Joel Embiid uh, and, and play under Doc Rivers, you do so. Um, I know that you know even the relationship with. I think there's something in the water via uh, L.A. to Philadelphia because I do know I reported this a couple weeks ago. Uh, back in 2019, uh, James, or rather uh, Kevin Durant wanted Ty Lue as the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets instead of Steve Nash. Um, and I know that there's a respect that, James, that, that Kevin does have uh, for veteran coaches. So I would imagine that that would go over well if he were to go um, to uh, Philadelphia. But again, Brooklyn does not have to trade him too. Mm. Um Philadelphia and 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 here's where it gets tricky. You traded once within the division, so I'm going to start to ask some questions. Does Sean Marks have aspirations to work in the 76ers front office? I'm <laughs> joking, of course, <laughs> right? Uh, but ultimately, you know, when you look at this situation with with Harden and Durant, to, to directly answer your question, you know, their 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 relationship goes back to Oklahoma. Um, but I definitely think that um, when you look at Harden and and what he's been able to do. Um, you know, he's got a friend in, in, in P.J. Tucker on that team. Uh, Daniel House is on that team. And then, you know, you look at the front office staff with 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 um, with uh, Tad Carper, the CEO position, and even with uh, Daryl Morey in that position. Um, it seems as though Harden's a good recruiter, so if he were to get Kevin Durant to, to force his way out like he did in Philadelphia, it would be interesting. Uh, Scoopy, Bally Sports NBA insider. I, I guess we'll we'll finish with this. If the, if, if the Nets gave Kyrie the deal that he wants, would that change Durant's mind? Um, no. I think it's part it's a part of the puzzle. I think the other portion of it has to do with the head coach. Gotcha. I know a lot of guys don't that team. Yeah, no. That uh, isn't Steve so it's not so much, hey, you've treated uh Kyrie poorly and that makes me want to leave. It's more what he said. If you get rid of the coach and the GM, that would change my mind, but nothing else. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Um, I, and, you know, I'm very tied to the Kyrie situation. Kyrie is kind of just centered in playing basketball and, and focused on the season ahead. Um, I, it, from the, the, the inklings that I've gotten in conversations Monday and Tuesday, this is more Kevin and, and, and than less Kyrie. Um, I've spoken to people who have talked to Kev before he had the meeting uh, with uh, Josiah, the owner of the Nets. And, you know, they advised him to kind of slow it down a little bit. And let me advise you on how we can go about this situation. And um, ultimately, he decided to do his own thing, and here we are now. Scoopy, appreciate it, man. Good stuff. Brother, thank you. All right. Uh, check out uh, Brandon Scoopy Robinson, 
and uh, his Spotify show. It's always a must listen for all the info on this Kevin Durant and what's happening next. And my gosh, at Scoop B on Twitter, Brandon Scoop B Robinson on the Sports Bash. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, Phil's win streak snapped seven in a row. They lose to the Marlins 3 nothing today. They had bases loaded. Nobody out in the ninth had a shot. And then two strikeouts and a ground ball to first base. To end it, and the Phillies uh, will head to New York after losing today, three nothing to the Marlins. But they take two out of three. I, you can't say it's not a successful series. I mean, they took two out of three of the Marlins. You can't expect to win every single game. You can't expect to sweep every single series. Is it a frustrating loss? Yes. I mean, especially after last night, they come back. But this was probably a predictable type of outcome today, Bob Wankel. You get the high-energy, come-from-behind win, and then you figure the day game the next day, you're going to have the flat game. Is that acceptable? Yeah, is it acceptable? It's it's going to happen, and I know it's been a while since uh, we've watched uh, competitive, meaningful baseball from a team that I think people believe in a little bit. In past years, I know they've been in the mix in August, but there hasn't been really a ton of belief. I think this year feels a little bit different for most people, but I think we have to kind of recalibrate and remember that we can't treat individual Phillies games like they're Eagles games. Uh, they're going to lose games. It's going to happen. There's going to be days where things don't work out, and you consider the homestand that they had here, uh, the winning streak that they've been on, the type of baseball they've been playing lately, and, you know, hey, I mean, there's going to be days like this. Yes, there will be. And, uh, you know, you, you know, the, the Cabrera is tough. You face a tough pitcher on the day game after night game. You had a couple guys sitting out today because of the day game after night game. You just don't have it. I, I guess, um, you know, one of the things that you look at is now – you won all these games against Washington and Miami. Is this a weekend where you will start to see if people are diving in with two feet or not? Yeah, And is that fair? Is that fair? It is. You know, I mean, listen, if the Phillies go up to New York this weekend and they lose two out of three facing Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, I don't think that's the end of the world. And I don't think it means that they can't make the playoffs or win in the playoffs. But, to be honest with you, from a statistical standpoint, from a standing standpoint, does it does it prohibit them from making the postseason even if they were to get swept? No. But I think what this team is doing is it's on the on the doorstep of generating real belief. And if they go up there this weekend and play a really good Mets team and they are terrible and they get swept, I do think that that's going to kind of um, you know halt some of the momentum here that they've built. I think that this is really a unique opportunity to get people in, get some genuine buy-in, and they did not play well against this team earlier in the season. So let's see if the Rob Thompson magic kind of transfers over here, and, and we'll we'll see. Um, the bigger concern, I think, more so than the result today, is the uh, the injury to Kyle Schwarber, who left the game in the uh, fifth inning. He worked a walk and uh, felt some tightness in his calf. Uh, he's day-to-day, and so... Um, right now, you don't know, but it's kind of hard to imagine that he'll be playing against the Mets this weekend. And if he isn't, it's a massive loss. Big time. And uh, you even wonder, I mean, who the heck would they even, would they draw straws to see who would hit leadoff in that situation? I imagine Segura would get that first opportunity there. You talked about 
real belief in this team. Jimmy Rollins' tweet last night is getting a lot of attention that not enough people in the ballpark. Where are they? Today was dead as a door now in that place. It looked even less filled than it was the night before. Is there real belief? Is attendance an arbitrator of belief in the ball club? Yeah, I've been taking that conversation in from afar today. I don't I have I've reserved opinion on this. Last night I was talking to somebody though and I said this crowd's kind of lame considering what's going on right now. And I know it's been hot and I know it's expensive. And no, you can be a great fan and not go to the game. Like I I don't think that there's necessarily any correlation between you attending X amount of games and being a real fan. So I don't want to present it that way, but I guess I'm a little surprised that they haven't crept up to the the high 20s or low 30s on a more consistent basis in light of what's happened. I think that this is a critical road trip, though, for this team. They go out and they play the Mets for three, and I believe they have four with the Reds. And when they return, you know, if they're treading water and they're somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 to, I don't know, let's say 16 games over 500 when they come home, they're not drawing over 27, 28 a night at that point. I, I would be a little bit disappointed in that. I mean, I think the Phillies, if you're players, you know, you don't really care that the team hasn't been competitive for 10 years. You care about this season and where they're at right now. And I'm sure that privately they probably feel like they deserve to play in front of 30,000 fans a night. And I guess, you know, we had a big conversation about it early. We had a lot of good feedback from the listeners. Uh, 25444 was the announced attendance today. I don't know that that's what actually uh, showed up at the ballpark today. But in today's day and age, is attendance uh, a, a barometer of how much interest is in the actual team? Think, or the even, belief in the actual team? Maybe maybe more about belief than, you know, being an actual fan. You know, I think the times are a little bit different even than what they were 11 or 12 years ago. I mean, it's a different economy, especially right now. You consider the cost of everything is up. I mean, I don't want to turn this into a political conversation, but I mean, the reality is that there are a lot of families that are kind of hurting and they have to make concessions on certain things and entertainment and leisure activities are probably one of them. So when you talk about the gas to get to the stadium, the parking, you know, paying nine, ten dollars for a beer and six dollars for a hot dog. I mean, that adds up. Man. Yeah. And, you know, I think that most people feel like, ah, if you want to go see the Phillies, you can go see the Phillies. But for a lot of people, it is a little bit of a struggle. So I do think that's at least a consideration. There's no doubt about it. And I said, look, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. I can never question anybody for saying it's too expensive because to me, it is quite preposterous. I mean, even if I said the ticket's 25 bucks, which even that sometimes a $25 ticket's getting you in the door, great. But it's $25 to park. It's $11 for a beer. And you wonder how, you know, the Phillies might say, look, our ballpark's half empty with a team that we have out there. So we've had a variety of barometer, you know, cost. Some people talked about the fact that the team is not very homegrown, that it's hard to connect with some of the players uh, because they haven't come through the system and the weather's hot and the game on TV, the presentation's so much better. You know, all these things factor in. But in the end, should the Phillies also take notice that maybe we're pricing people out and that's on us? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the economics of the sport. I mean, maybe that's something that each team has to consider. Uh, but I think that that's just kind of where the game is at. And they probably have done market research studies that say in order for us to be profitable, even at 23,000 fans, this is what we need to price it at. Uh -huh. And if it drove it up to 28, 29 a night, those costs wouldn't even be offset. I mean, I'm sure that there are some very smart people making those decisions. I don't really buy the homegrown talent thing. Like, to me, that's sort of bogus. I mean, listen. 
They've got they've got Alec Boom at third base. They've got Bryson Stott playing. Reese Hoskins is homegrown. Uh, you know, Sir Anthony Dominguez is homegrown. There's enough homegrown talent there. You know, people weren't worried about Cliff Lee and Roy Halladay not being homegrown back in, in 2010, 2011. So I, I don't know how much of that is really, truly a factor. There is something to be said for the fact, though, that this team didn't start out hot. It's not yeah. like they got out of the gate in April and they were a clear playoff team or a team that was going to win the division. This is a team that very recently has been good, and I think it does take some time for the fan base and for the market to sort of catch up to that. Well, and one of the things that I would observe from 07 to 11, that ballpark was the place to be. I don't know that all those people were fans of the team. It was just, I have to go here to party and hang out. It was the place to be. And for 10 years, it hasn't been the place to be. So 20,000 empty seats could be these casual people who are just looking for something fun to do. And that place isn't all that fun and the team is just now becoming fun, and that doesn't just happen overnight. So you got to find a way to get the casual fan who's like, hey, I'm looking for something to do on Friday night. Hey, let's go down to the ballpark. I don't even care about the game. I just want to go have fun. I think that element has been lost from that ballpark. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and you got to remember, like, in 07, when they were first starting to win, it took some time. Even in 08. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, game one, oh, my God, let's go rush Citizens Bank Park. It that sellout streak started in 09, right? Right. Yes. I mean, so it took some time for that thing to materialize. Um, and it's not to say that it can't happen again, but I, I can totally speak to that point. You know, before I started doing this on a, a professional basis as a college student, as somebody fresh out of college, my first year working right out of college, that was when the Phillies won the World Series. And I mean, it was, we're going down there for the playoff run. We're going down there uh, in 09 at the beginning of the year to celebrate that World Series. It was a, it was a scene. And there were a lot of people that came along for the ride that didn't even really care about the baseball. Right, right now, I don't know how much of that's really going well, on. I, and that's the thing. I, I wonder how much is just people aren't interested in baseball because you're right. I think you say last night there was 20,000. The place holds 40, so you're about 20 light. I would say like ten to 15,000 people that are just looking for something to do. Like, hey, this is the place to be. Let's go hang out in Ashburn Alley and and, and have some beers. Like, I think they're missing that element. Because when I look around, I think families are going to the game. It's, yeah. the, play, it's the people that have basically are the casual non-baseball fan that used to go. And I said, like, how many people met their spouse at a Phillies game just because <laughs> that was the place to be, right? I mean, yeah. I feel like that's gone. Yeah, there definitely was a social element to it that doesn't exist right now. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens here towards the end of the month. They're still in it. They're still playing really well. They're still getting, you know, crazy comeback wins like yeah. they did last night. That was one of the more impressive performances I've seen from a Phillies team in, in probably the last 10 years, to be to be perfectly honest with you. You get a few more wins like that. You get Bryce Harper back. I would expect things to take a turn going into September. I know kids go back to school, but you get this team in a meaningful race where they're not just backing in. You know, it's the they're the the best of a bunch of bad teams. This is a team that wins ninety plus games and they they reach the postseason. I think you'll see this crowd respond accordingly. Um, you know, it's funny because the team is beat up on Washington and Miami, and then I've seen they lose today, and there's people like, you know, still questioning the team and the manager. You know, people were frustrated. You know, somebody said to me, why did you use Sosa? I said, well, who else was he going to use? He didn't have another right-handed bat. Well, yeah. he should have started, you know, he should have let Stubbs hit. Stubbs had hit a home run again, you know, all that kind of stuff. Do you look at Rob Thompson 
as someone who's done a really good job or it's just circumstance that the team, you know, what, how do you quantify what Rob Thompson has done? You see a lot of articles, oh, he should be manager of the year. Then I see other people saying he's Girardi 2.0. This guy stinks. <laughs> uh, it's a tough crowd. I mean, listen, he's won, he's won two thirds of his, his games with a team that was eight games under 500 when he took over. I mean, or seven games under 500 when he took over. I don't know how any objective observer of this team over the last two and a half months could say that he hasn't done a, a remarkable job. I'm not telling you that he's the next great manager uh, in Major League Baseball, but, I mean, he's he's done, I think, a phenomenal job. And certainly when you watch games night in, night out, there are tactical things that you can debate and argue over, and that's going to happen no matter what. But the, the record speaks for itself. And my only retort to, to anybody that would kind of question the overall job that he's done is, what exactly do you want? You know, if I said to you over his first 60 games, he's going to go 40 and 20 with this team <laughs> right. that has underachieved for, you know, five years running, what more could you ask for? Would it be 45 and 15? So I, I think that there's just no way that you, you can't say that he's done a good job. And the only other thing I'll add to that, um, there are things that I actively have disagreed with that he's done where I've just said, I wouldn't have done that. But you, I think you're seeing, and you're seeing a lot of players not take shots at Joe Girardi, but kind of in a roundabout way say how much different it is with Rob Thompson about how much he communicates, how much he explains their methodology and what they're thinking, how much he listens to his players. And I just don't think that those clubhouse dynamics previously existed. I think it's made a huge impact on how hard this team plays. Yeah. Uh, today's game, what do you think the turning point? Cause they had shots in that game today. Where were, where were, I'm not, I mean, obviously I had the game on behind me here. I saw a couple of moments in the game, but you were there. Where was the, the, the moment that they maybe missed an opportunity? Yeah. I think the ball, once the ball got by Stubbs and it was two nothing and then the, the base hit follows, it gets to three nothing. It just kind of felt like that to me felt like a game that they were going to trail one nothing in the sixth and then probably pop a solo homer and find a way to win. Once they fell behind by multiple runs, I mean, Cabrera's tough. It just kind of felt like how many times can you you battle back from that multi-run deficit late, especially off of a big emotional win the night before. And I will say this. I don't want to uh, rah-rah too much off of a loss. But you saw, and I, I think there's something to be said for this, and I do think it translates over time. They just did absolutely nothing offensively the entire day. The eighth inning, they put a little pressure on. Al Boom worked the walk. I mean, like, there's no way that you can really slice it. He, he, he got screwed on that, that three, two pitch. He took a pitch in the same spot earlier that was outside the zone for a ball. It was the second pitch of the at bat. So does that change the dynamics of the inning? Probably. They don't capitalize. They get to the ninth inning, though. They load the bases. Nobody out. Amundo Sosa works a nine pitch at bat. He strikes out. Veerling doesn't have a very good at bat. They don't get it done. But like, a lot of teams could just pack it in and roll over. And it just seems like this team has a little bit more punch. And if you put together those types of at-bats and you have that type of fight night in, night out, I think it adds up and gives you marginal value in the long run. You would think, uh, right, the fact that, again, I, I'm not questioning or criticizing for losing the game today. I mean, they took two out of three. They beat Alcantara, although um, you had some shots today. You'd like to see them get it done. And, and you want to constantly beat up on these teams. 
I mean, they won, what, seven out of eight against this or whatever it was against uh, Washington and Miami, which is what exactly what you haven't done over the years. So, like, it's like is beating the bad teams enough to make people say, okay, you're beating the bad teams. I don't know what you're going to do against the Mets, but you're at least graduated to that level, whatever that means. I think two things can be true here. I mean, if you're if you're a fan right now that that watched today's game and go, "Eh, they should have capitalized there. I get it. And if you're a fan that's like, they've got to prove it to me. They've got to go up and play this Mets team tough. I totally understand that. But I would also say to you that they've played Milwaukee well uh, this season. They've, they've played the Dodgers tight this season. They've played the Padres tight this season. It's not like this team really outside of the Mets. That's the one team that they've really, truly struggled with, you know, that's in that upper echelon. You know, if, if you want to see more from them against the Mets, I totally understand and there should be something going on in that clubhouse where they say, yeah, we owe these guys one. Like, we got to go up there and show it this weekend. Yeah. So it's a big series. I mean, there's there's a lot riding on this st- series more than more than standings and wild card position. Oh, there's no question that, you know, all this feel good. It's like every moment you're in that moment. And then the next moment that comes, if you are they haven't gained a lot of separation in that wild card, even though they've moved up, they're yeah. not like they're gaining separation. The Padres have started to win now. So that's keeping pressure on you to continue to win. You can't just be like, hey, we did our job up to today. No, you got to keep doing. You got to finish the job because that's the thing, Bob. People forget the last four seasons. They have been in this spot where they've been a game or two, either in the wild card or out of it, and they haven't been able to hold on. Is there anything about this team that feels different? Yeah, the team feels different to me in that it, it has, a, you know, I, I said, oh, they have more fight. They have more fight. But I just think that there's there's physical things going on. The bullpen's better. The bullpen is miles ahead of what it's been the, the past few years. And I just see a little bit more resilience with this team than, than I have in the past. They've they've lost games. They've they've had bad series. You know, they go up to Toronto and they're not very good. And you go, here we go. See, here it comes. But then they rebound and they play Miami tough. Uh, you know, and they they've just been able to weather the storm. They don't have those prolonged losing stretches. So maybe they have a bad series, but it doesn't turn into three or four bad series. And when they get hot, they don't just get hot for two series. They get hot for three or four. So that seems to be the the biggest difference. But, I mean, it's a better offense. It's more balanced. It's a better bullpen. The starting pitching at the top, you're finally getting what you expect from NOLA. It's a, it's a better team than it's been in years past. But they have to keep their foot on the gas. Great. You talk about the Padres. Their next 10 games come against the Washington Nationals and Miami Marlins, the, the San Diego Padres. They're not going to go 3-7 and seven in those 10 games. No. Um, Harper obviously getting close to get back, but uh... – I don't know. They're 10 games over 500 without him. That would suggest that they probably don't have to rush him unless you just mentioned this Padres streak. And then you've got the Mets, what, seven times uh, while they're playing those teams. Are they exponential? I mean, they're already 10 games over 500 without Harper. Are they going to be exponentially better when he returns? How much better can they be? Yeah, I don't know that you say, well, if you had Bryce Harper this whole time, you'd be four wins better. Like, I think there are a lot of different things that play into a a team dynamic. And I do think that there's a sense of responsibility. Okay, Bryce is out. I need to own this more. I need to step up. And I think that you, when you have professionals and you have good teams and you have the right mix of players and the right manager in place, guys will rise to the occasion. They'll pick up some slack. And I just think that's what this team has done. So Bryce Harper makes this lineup infinitely better. 
but would it have really resulted in more wins over the last, you know, 38 games or whatever it's been? I, I don't know. But I do know that the Phillies need to get Bryce Harper back because the Derek Hall story is great. Watching JT Realmuto have an OPS over 1,000 for a 30-game stretch is great. But I just don't think that you can rely on some of the things that they've benefited from over the last four to six weeks. And I think that at some point you have to get your best horses back in the race so I think that Bryce Harper can't get back soon enough. Um, and I'll just give you one other alternative take. I do think, and we've talked about this all, all along, he's, he's probably headed for some type of surgery this offseason. I think that there's probably enough damage in that elbow that it's going to require some type of procedure. I think in a way it may be a blessing in disguise that they shut him down and say, you know what, you're going to be our DH for the remainder of the year. Let's not try to force it. Because if he comes back and he's playing in the field and then that elbow worsens and he can't hit, that's a devastating loss for this team. You would imagine just off of what you said, then he's going to miss a couple of months into next season. If he gets elbow surgery at the end of the season, whenever that is, September, uh, October, if they play some postseason baseball – you're probably talking about six, eight months that he would be out. Yeah, it's it's a little different for position players than it is for pitchers, um, but you, you typically would stamp that again. It depends what the procedure is. Is it Tommy John? Does he need it right now? Like This is all speculation. I don't want this to end up on the Internet that, you know, I'm reporting <laughs> this is happening. Right. But um, that being said, I mean, you, you're looking at about a five- to six-month window, maybe seven, eight max on position players. So, yeah, is it possible if that were to happen – it might have a carryover into early 23. Yeah, it's possible. But I think that the Phillies are constructed in a way that they they probably could withstand that if it took an extra month into the season. All right. Uh, Bob Wankel crossing broad Phillies Mets this weekend in New York. Great pitching matchups all over the place. Suarez and Scherzer tomorrow night. Apple TV Plus. <laughs> now, Apple TV loves the fight in Phils in 2022. Have you uh, mastered the Apple TV Plus? I had problems last week. I got to yes, I'd like to thank Ted Lasso. He uh, got me signed up for Apple TV, and okay. uh, so I'm I'm intimately familiar with how to use that interface. See, I'm not an iPhone guy, so I don't have the interface. And my phone is a my television is a Samsung, so I can't download the Apple app on my Samsung TV. So I can't get it in my living room. If I want to watch the game, I got to go in my bedroom and just lay in bed on Friday night. I I, I mean, come on. What you got to do is you got to go out and get a Roku or something like that and, and just get the stick, plug it in, and log in that way. Those I, apps are all built in. Gotcha. So. All right. Well, uh, that's tomorrow night. Who wins? Uh, Eagle viewership <laughs> or uh, Apple TV Plus Phillies Mets viewership, which we will never I'll, uh, I'll hedge here and say that uh, seven to eight, the Eagles will win, and then eight uh, and <laughs> after the Phillies will win. All right. Bob Wankel crossing broad. All right, bud. Take care. All right, Mike, talk to you soon. That's tomorrow night, uh, the uh, Apple TV Plus Mets Phillies presentation. And, of course, the Eagles and the uh, Jets. You got the uh, Philly New York thing going for both football and baseball. Sports Pass Live 97.3 ESPN. I got another name coming up. You qualified yet? Have you entered yet? Have you put your name in? Adam Young. Adam Young was our latest qualifier last hour. Paul McLaughlin in the 3 o'clock hour. Dan Beck in the 2 o'clock hour. I have another name coming up. Have you qualified yet? Have you put your name in the hat yet? No? What are you waiting for? Go to 973ESPN.com and enter. I do see a bunch of entries that have come in today. So people are uh, 
saying, wait, I haven't entered yet. What am I doing? I have another winning name coming up. So there's our three qualifiers so far. If you haven't uh, been called yet, I might call your name on the other side. So I'll give you some time right now to go to our website, 973ESPN.com. It'll take you 30 seconds to fill out the form. I got to get your name somehow. That's all. I just need to call out your name. If I call out your name, you're entered to win a trip to see the Eagles in Washington against the Commanders September 25th. Thanks to Philly Sports Trips. We're going to have a live show. Big party, happy hour Friday at Garden State Brewery on August 26th. All our qualifiers will be there for the big party. Kind of a kickoff to the end of the summer. And we'll send one lucky winner down to Washington to cheer on the birds. More Sports Bash coming up. Now on 97.3 ESPN. Five thirty-one Sports Bash ninety-seven-three ESPN. I got another qualifying name right now. If you have not qualified to win the trip to see the Eagles play, go to ninety-seven-three ESPN.com. We will be calling out names each hour on the Sports Bash, and this hour I am looking for Brian or Apollo. Brian or Apollo. Congratulations, Brian. You are qualified for a chance to win an Eagles road trip. Thanks to our friends over at Philly Sports Trips. We'll be going to be broadcasting live on Friday, August 26th at Garden State Brewery. And Brian or Apollo, you are now invited. Now, everybody's invited, but you got to qualify to win the trip. You can come out and see the show, try out some great beers over at Garden State Brewery. And just enjoy Happy Hour Friday. But if you want to win the trip, you've got to be qualified. You've got to be one of the qualifiers. And so far, Brian or Apollo, this hour, you are our latest qualifier. So congratulations to you. And hopefully you follow the rules and show up. (laughs) Uh, Phillies lose today. Good conversation with Bob Wankel of Crossing Broad. You know, um, got a a tweet here from uh, Charles who tweets, Hey, Mike Gill. If your Samsung is a smart TV, can't you just cast from your app to your TV? Well, that's the problem, Charles. I have an Android phone, so I can't download the Apple TV Plus app to my phone because I have an Android. I guess they don't talk to each other. They won't let me do it. Now, my girlfriend has an Apple phone, an iPhone. She can get the game on her phone, and I guess I could cast it over. But then I don't want to, like, hog her phone up all night, right? I have an iPad, but the iPad's probably 10 years old. I just don't like the Apple products, man. I had an iPad. I just did not like it. I don't like the the, the interface, the function. And I haven't had this iPad. I probably haven't turned it on in five years. It's funny. I went to look at the pictures, the pictures I had on there. The last picture on there was from like 2017. In fact, I think the last, I say 2017, I I can tell you exactly when it was. It was when the Flyers played in the Winter Classic against the Rangers. Do you know when that was? That was 2012. That was 10 years ago, right? Which Flyers game was it? The Flyers played the Rangers at Citizens Bank Park. The last pictures I have on that iPad is from the Winter Classic. It was 2012. The Flyers played the Rangers 
So that iPad is at least 10 years old. That's the last time I've used that iPad. It just sits in my... Actually, for a while, it was sitting dormant. And I found a plug. And the plug to plug it in, the end of it is like one of those, like, it's probably like three inches that you, like, plug in the back of it. Like the old Apple, for the people who have Apple stuff, it was like the bigger, I don't know, you, you, but... I know you're talking about. So I found the iPad recently. Mm-hmm. And... I found the plug for it. I, I don't even remember where I saw it and where I found it. But the iPad is at least 10 years old. So that thing isn't able to cast. It doesn't It doesn't have the ability to do anything. The interface is too old. It's pretty bad, the interface is. The, well, because okay. I went to AppleTVPlus.com, like the website. Yeah. And I tried to play it on the iPad. And nothing came up. It was like a gray screen because oh, I don't no. think it has the latest update. Yes, I don't scripts. think it has the scripts or the ability to carry the level of video <laughs> that was being pushed through. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, the iPad's 10 years old. No, it's not your fault. I mean, it's like, I mean, this is the problem. Like, they they literally have made it an inconvenience. Well, there's a picture that was going around on Twitter. And it's like of an 80-year-old man, and he's sitting there watching the Phillies game, and he's got an iPad sitting in his lap. <laughs> right? But that's where we are. They, they're they so desperate to be seen. See, we're trying new things that they you know literally what, have this made is, it more difficult. This is a classic. They don't care about the product. They just want the money. Exactly. They're not trying new things. They're trying to put more money in their pocket. This wasn't, hey, let's try to grow the game for the fans. This was, we have an opportunity to make more money and we're going to take it. It's the same thing with college football that we're dealing with. Yeah, they it's don't. All, it's all a money grab. Yeah. They don't really care about what's best for the game or the players or the fans. They really cared about the fans, for example. They wouldn't be changing conferences every few years. Well, and that's with everything. You know, we talked a lot today about the attendance at the Phillies game. Jimmy Rollins' tweet, he's saying, where are all my fans at? You know, today the Phillies had 25,000 in attendance. Now, I thought it looked a lot thinner than 25,000. Yeah, it might be 25,000 bought tickets. Yeah, I mean, they might have a paid attendance of 25,000. I don't think there were 25,000 people there. Definitely. And Jimmy Rollins is saying, where are all the people at? The price of a game seems to be the number one answer that's out there. And I can't dispute that because of the fact of the, you know, the environment that we are in today has created something that necessitates people to make these kind of decisions. And it doesn't help that the Phillies, and I don't know if it's the Phillies only, I have not been to another game. I haven't been to a game in Pittsburgh or New York or Chicago. Uh, I was in Boston last year. And um, you had a good time in Boston. I did have a good time in Boston, but I'm trying to remember the pricing. I didn't. I didn't eat at the game, so you so already saved money. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know what the cost of the food and everything was. I had a couple beers at the game, but you already go into there knowing that you're going to get basically uh, screwed on that. I right. mean, um, and I'm drinking an IPA, so I think my beer was like thirteen dollars <laughs> for God's sakes, but. I think the Phillies and other teams, if the other teams are in, in tune like the Phillies price-wise, I think they need to have a seat in the boardroom 
and start asking themselves the question. The product we're putting out in the field, is that the problem? Or is it what we're charging? Is that why our building's half empty? And then ask yourself, let me try to see if I dial these prices back a little bit. Because once you get to a price, are you really going backwards? Like if I'm charging $12 for beer right now, am I going to show up to a game next year and it's only going to be 10 Well, like I said before, earlier on the show, Mike, remember, the Ravens and Falcons both did this. They both rolled back the prices on concessions by a large amount, and they saw a crazy benefit from it. They saw a big boost to their bottom line when it came to concessions because they rolled back concessions between 15 and 20%, according to the Forbes story from last year. And we talked about it last year about, like, It'll be interesting to see if this keeps doing well, if other teams doing it. Now we're hearing stories about Kansas City and other towns in the NFL, not baseball, the NFL that are saying, hey, maybe we should cut back the not just the concessions, but the parking price. So these are NFL teams. These are, like you said earlier in the show, Mike, they only have eight, nine games a year that they're getting people to even show up. And they're talking about rolling back concessions. So if they're doing it, why can't baseball consider it? Well, uh, I'm on a website. It um, basically gives you the price of a dog and a beer at every ballpark. And the Phillies, the average price of a beer is nine ninety nine, and the average price of a hot dog is $3. That's insane. They have one of the lowest costs for a hot dog in the league, the beer price at nine ninety nine. Now, for instance, Bush Stadium, the hot dog's five twenty five. The beer is 5 bucks. It costs more for a soda, six fifty, wow. than it does a beer. That's wild. Oakland, seven dollars for a beer, six dollars for a hot dog. I would not have guessed that. The Mets, it's twelve bucks for a beer. It's six seventy for a hot dog. My God, six seventy for a hot dog. Six dollars and seventy cents for a hot dog. Where I could probably off make of? a hot dog for less money. Of course you can. You can buy the whole damn pack for less than that. No, man, I can literally make a hot dog. Like, I could make you packs of hot dogs for less money than these people are charging. Fenway Park, it's nine fifty for a beer, 6 bucks for a hot dog. See, $6 for a hot dog's egregious. That's insane to me. A hot dog doesn't cost squadaddle. I mean, to buy a, 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 a... How many hot dogs come into a, a pack? Uh, last time I checked, I thought it was... Tw- uh, was it 8, 12? I think it's... Uh, if you go to the store and buy hot dogs, like a, a, a eight count of ball of like ballpark franks or whatever the heck they are, they're four dollars and twenty two cents for an eight count. Ten dogs, ten dogs in a regular pack. This is an eight count of ballpark beef franks at Walmart for four dollars and twenty two cents. I can get eight dogs. There's no reason for you to charge six dollars for the hot dog. Yeah. That's just egregious. That's being a pig. It's crazy. And therefore, when that's the case, now the Phillies are only charging $3 for a hot dog. Still ridiculous. I mean, a hot dog should be a buck, a buck fifty. Dollar dog night. That's what it should be all the time. Two bucks. All right. The do- the, the hot dog's $2 on a normal game, and you get dollar dog night. You cut it by 50% for, for five nights a year. Wrigley Field, it's ten forty nine for a beer. And six forty nine for a hot dog. These prices are ridiculous. One hot dog is paying for the whole pack of dogs. 
Astros seven fifty for a beer, six dollars for a hot dog. Yankee Stadium, it's six dollars for a beer and three dollars for a hot dog at Yankee Stadium. I mean, that's what you should be charging. I can be acceptable of a three dollar dog and a six dollar beer, and that's outrageous. But it's an acceptable sports price, mm-hmm. right? Right. It's acceptable for the. It's like it's like when you go when you go to certain things like sporting events, you know you're going to be paying a premium for whatever's being sold there. It's a general principle. Dodger Stadium, six seventy five for a beer, six seventy five for a hot dog. Nationals Park, nine ninety five for the beer, six ninety five for the hot dog. Let me see. Um Chicago White Sox, ten seventy five for the beer. Five bucks for the hot dog. These are 2022, by the way. This list was put together before the start of this season. Bush Stadium, five bucks for a beer. No, five twenty-five for the hot dog, and six fifty for the drink is preposterous. Uh, City Field, twelve bucks for the beer, six seventy for the hot dog. I mean, come on, that's insane. Atlanta, five dollars for the beer, three fifty for the hot dog. That's acceptable. That's that's the best I've seen. Five bucks for the beer, three fifty for the hot dog. That's acceptable. Like there are places I can go in Atlantic City right now. I probably spend more on a beer than that. Kansas City, of course you do. Kansas City, five fifty for the beer, four dollars for the hot dog. All right. Okay. San Diego, five dollars for the beer, seven fifty for the hot dog. That's the most expensive hot dog. That thing better sing to me. I was gonna say that thing better be the greatest hot dog ever. Okay, Seattle. Five dollars for the beer, three dollars for the hot dog. That's acceptable. You get a beer and a hot dog for eight bucks at Safeco like Field. I'll, I'll go to that game. Here's the best one of them all. Maybe Toronto. It's four dollars and thirty three cents for the beer and four dollars and seventy two cents for the dog. Why the cents? I don't know. Is that just how it converts? From that Canadian sounds like something you American? would be. You would do. Give me some odd cents number. <laughs> Target Field in Minnesota. It's five dollars for the beer, four dollars for the hot dog. Okay, it's not bad. Fine. I can work with that. If you're giving me the beer for five bucks, I think that's more than acceptable. I Colorado. Think, yeah. Three dollars for the beer. Whoa. Six dollars for the hot dog. That's weird. The what? soda's five bucks. Wait, what do you so- get off charging more money for the soda? I'll say, why is soda more expensive than beer? I mean, fountain soda doesn't cost you anything. My God. I mean, you spend like a dollar and get like a liter. At Camden the Yards, it's 10 bucks for a beer, $3 for a hot dog. That's ridiculous yeah. beer. Pittsburgh, six fifty for the beer, $4 for the hot dog. Tampa Bay, it's $5 for the beer and $5 for the hot dog. Miami, $5 for the beer, 3 bucks for the hot dog. Let's go to Miami. Let's go. And the least expensive ballpark in all of baseball. It's four ninety nine for the beer at Chase Field in Arizona, and it's two dollars for the hot dog. I want to know why it's four ninety nine. Yeah, because now you got to give a penny back every single time. Yeah, they're going to say keep the change, and then you're going to say, oh, that cheap guy only gave me a penny. You know, why would you do that? That's so weird. Sports Bass Live 97.3 ESPN. Mike and Marmora, can you get it on your laptop and use any adapter with the USB or HDMI to connect? Uh, I have a Google Chromebook, so I doubt that Google and Apple are talking to each other, right? Yeah. So Mike and Marmora, he says, I'm genuinely asking. I felt you were genuine. I 
I everything I have is I have a Google Chromebook. That's my laptop. Yeah. Uh, Phillies took away five dollar dog nights, so there's only two. I feel you, egregious, Joey D inventor. Uh, supply demand. Greed squared equals a six dollar hot dog. The Phillies game, I think the hot dog's only three bucks. It's one of the cheapest hot dogs in the league. Crump was complaining the other night on the broadcast. He's like, what happened to the dollar dog nights? You, you could you could just hear the pen the pin drop in the booth. Like McCarthy was like, I am not answering that question. <laughs> we'll wrap up the show next. The best way, Jay Will and Max. Weekday mornings at 6 on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, 552, getting ready to wrap up the show. A good show today. Had a lot of fun. Uh, tomorrow, we'll get you ready for the Eagles and Jets. We'll talk a lot of football tomorrow. Adam Kaplan, Sal Powell. I saw, by the way, that the Eagles, uh, by the way, the Phillies, I should say, according to this article for 2022, have uh, the second cheapest hot dog price in the league. So three, three bucks for the hot dog is the second cheapest. $2 is the cheapest dog in the league. That's about what the dog should be. Two, two fifty, three bucks in the sports realm is acceptable. I think the Phillies dog price is acceptable. Yeah, anything more than like three bucks, you're starting to like make me question things. Yeah, like when I know that hot dog, there's nothing special about that dog. Like you told me the one was six fifty, right? Well, some of the more expensive ones are like six fifty-seven bucks, according to this article. Like that's but insane. On the flip side, they have some of the most expensive beer prices in all of baseball. They have uh, they average about ten bucks a beer. But to me, that's unacceptable as well. Uh, t- to me, both having anything exorbitant pricing wise, like you mentioned earlier in the show, Mike, about parking. Like, these people who gouge people on parking is an, is an embarrassment. Well, the whole parking thing, I agree. I, I don't think parking should be, I mean, 25 bucks to park. Somebody said 40 bucks for the Eagles game. That's outrageous. I'd probably just drive away if they said that to me. <laughs> if someone turned to me and like, all right, 40 bucks to park, I'd be like, But right, here's my thing. Like, I'm out of here. If you are the Phillies right now and you're upset, and Jimmy Rollins, keep in mind, he is an ambassador for the team. And he comes out and tweets, where are all the fans? If you're the team and you're looking and you're not happy with your attendance, you have to start asking yourself questions. Why are people not coming to our to see our team play? We're, we've won 12 out of 13 or 13 out of 14, seven straight. We're in the wild card right now. We haven't been in the playoffs in 11 years. We're, we're, we're right there. Why are people not coming to our game? Is it our team? Maybe you need to start looking at the prices you're charging. And that is something that overwhelmingly has been the answer from the listeners and people on social media today. Is that the cost of a Phillies game has just gotten out of control. I, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said that they didn't go to a sporting event because of the cost, I might be a millionaire by now. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people that say it's just too expensive and I can watch the game on TV and... Yeah. And it's fine. I know plenty of people who they say, look, you know, it's, I, I can just go out to my local establishment and watch a game, too. It's a big screen. I can stay at home. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, mild calf strain. He's going to be out for at least one game this weekend. Are you concerned? Um, not concerned long term, but you're not going to have him against Scherzer. 
He's a left-handed bat. Scherzer's a right-handed pitcher. That's a power versus power matchup there. So not having Schwarber for at least one game. If he's out the whole series, don't feel good about that. So who plays left? What do you do in that situation? Does, um, I guess, Veerling, you think about him in left field and um, Marsh in center. So I'll back tomorrow. Game night is next. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everyone.